You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And JP, we've just been uh, on our pre-show, ranking the, our favourite Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, talking our favourite WCW jobbers, talking a bit of Glastonbury. Yeah. It's been a fun old time. Steve Blackman. <laughs> was I was Jerry ruining Blackman? some of the intro talk for this by, by bringing up <laughs> stuff that you didn't want to um, that you, you wanted to say for the intro and I thought no stop it what's the true A show the these days show, yeah. of course it's the, the main show here obviously but you know they just get that, uh, that little bit extra off the cuff you know of, uh, got my MLW review like in <laughs> as well which would have been the only other bit of wrestling discussed this week really outside of one show but I, I did throw the uh, the preview show on uh, on the main feed uh, this week obviously with it being a, a big weekend uh, and like that that gear change from us to the door and all of a sudden you were talking about like things blowing up and stuff in MLW I still don't really understand what happened um well, I mean, the we never stops. I think is what we learned. Oh yeah, it was it was a weapons of mass destruction match between um, uh, Jacob Fatu and Mads Kruger. Jacob Fatu mm. on the splash off the off the ladder. Ah, it was batshit bonkers stuff, but it was it was kind of fun because it's MLW, mm. and they just had smoke coming from the boxes, which was the mm. the weapons of mass. So plutonium in the ECW arena. Um, not seen that since about ninety five. Probably <laughs> and, it, and it knocking around them. God knows what New Jack would be bringing in on the fucking scene. <laughs> Those lads would get high on anything, wouldn't they? Um, but, but, they'd have booked New Jack by now, by the way, if he was still if he was still around. New Jack would be like in like a battle riot or something. If he didn't mate. before he died, he probably didn't. I'm forgetting. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of New Jack MLW run in the past, mm. like when they were doing like Carino and Extreme Horseman. Like you clearly bring him in. <laughs> Wouldn't you for that? <laughs> but yeah, so they had nuclear weapons, and Jacob. It looks like Mads Kruger's lost his mask because Jacob had to throw his head into the Ark of the Covenant and um, oh. and took that off. So that's MLW, really. I've, I've, you know, <laughs> that was the only other bit of wrestling I've gone away again. The Asia Myron Road, Myron Reed is a middleweight champion as it is, but it's all all, all roads lead to Battle Riot um, Four, which I'd recommend. And again, repeat this on on the pre-show as well. I'd recommend John Cena's report on post wrestling. Definitely, he's the man. For, uh... He's the man. <laughs> I was gonna say the other thing that shot me on the pre-show was that you, uh, yeah, you didn't watch any Glastonbury at the weekend. You, no, no you straighten the JP. You'd be a big festival goer in this time, you know. Not, not for you. It was never really I, my thing. I was, just, I was getting over COVID, mate, and I didn't want to see people having fun because it had been <laughs> nice weather, and I'd been asleep for large swathes of the week, like mm. feeling like shit. So 
like I wasn't in the mood for seeing people having a great fucking time. I mean, I heard like I mean, people were. You saw a couple of bits, didn't you? Oh yeah, I watched Kendrick Lamar, and I watched a bit of a bit of Patch Up Boys. Always, uh, always worth mm-hmm. a watch. Um, but I like uh, Kendrick Lamar. Is, like he's one of them where like I, I'm so out of tune with like like any rapper that came up past 1999. I don't really know anything about them. But I kind of discovered as he went through a set. Oh yeah, they had this song like in the background on like Insecure, or I'm sure like one of them was like a was like an outro song for Atlanta or something like that. Yeah, you know, kind of through through inertia, you know, I'm, I'm still still down. That's incredible set, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, shopping really. You know that. What's the best festival you've been to, JP? That's what I was going to ask you. That's what I wanted to know. That's uh, what I saved be- from the pre-show. The best festival mm. I've ever been to. In the heedy days of uh, about your 90s, JP, you got a four times. I did, weirdly enough, I didn't do anything kind of like like bonkers festival-wise. I'm, I'm trying mm. to think. Like, I mean, I, I just, uh, the last one I've been at, this is a hell of a long time ago. This is like sort mm. of early 2000s, like a V festival. It was headlined by the Chemical Brothers. <laughs> you can imagine what I was like at that point in time. I hadn't become a dad yet. That was to come. <laughs> and then people went, oh, you can bring your kids to festivals. And I was like, fuck off. I'm going to a festival for me. I'm not going there to be dad. Like, that's, that's <laughs> that ain't happening. So um, I, for shame, haven't been for years. Is there, a, is there an appropriate age to go to a festival? I feel like I'm getting too old now. You know, obviously last week, I'm up wow. 38. I saw, saw like a tweet about that saying like, you know, everyone over the thirty at the age of 35 at a festival, listen, you're just creeping the rest of us out. I kind of get that like vibe, folk, you know? Like folk festivals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hippie dads. I'm not at that point. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> at that point. Like, I live in Oxford. I've met a lot of people who like, there's a lot of them that run there here. Hmm. Like, there's there's one at Cornbury, there's <laughs> truck festival and stuff like that, and but, Supergrass always headline because they're from Oxford, and uh, I'm just like I don't need to hear it all right again. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm trying to think like the uh, the, the typical Scouse bands, the fucking he- headline. Like like Space will always get a gig. Like there'll be like a random festival oh, yeah. in a park somewhere in Liverpool. Oh, we'll we'll space out. Go on, <laughs> they'll do it. They'll do it for nothing. The ocean colour scene from Liverpool. Think so. Like it's a okay. shock. It'd be a shock to me if they, if they were though. That appears to be the the kind of thing, doesn't it? Like, Teutons, um, yeah. like oh, they'll do a lot of stuff. Cast, cast's another one. You see a lot of like cast doing like those types. Oh of, yeah, uh, those they were supporting like Oasis when I went mm. to see them in Nebworth. Mm. That time, that was a bit mad. Addy Dash Heat hash t shirt. I didn't wear that, but <laughs> this is Liam in the, the day. chat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of them. I think we're all kind of everyone in our chat's kind of saying we're all um, too old for those. Uh, <laughs> Birmingham for Ocean Colour scene. We're throwing lots of big, lot of big musical choices already at this at this stage of the game. I was I was having a good time watching it. Like I was watching it Saturday. I had a few like beers and stuff, and like ended up like I don't know what it was that popped into my head, but because it was Glastonbury, like that. Remember that old like aerial advert where like the the the, the kid walks in the living room and um, the mum asks him how the festival was, and he's like, "Oh, Glastonbury," and you would have loved it. Do you remember that? Like that popped right into my head. It's like a like a weird nostalgia thing that popped up in my brain, and I found myself on Saturday night in the end watching like. 90, this this is how like party my Saturday night was watching like nineties outfits like compilations of outfits and like it was this weird thing where like my brain was waiting for the oh, like for I... some show to start but it never did I was just sitting there endlessly watching like 
you know, like the old PG tips adverts and like the the family they have and stuff and the <laughs> what was well, the yeah, did, did you go R white lemonade? Yeah. Well, do you know what I noticed? Like the biggest thing I noticed was like the world what like I I need drink. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, popped in my head. I don't have like a I don't have a TV license as we've uh, argued about over the years. So I don't I Mate, legitimately uh, don't watch live TV. Don't see adverts anymore. But when the odd time mm. when I do, let's say I'm at my mum's or something like that. Like, there's not a lot of adverts for, like, in the 90s, there was a lot of adverts for, like, junk food, but it was just, or, like, just sweets. It'd be, like, you know, there's a new Coke out, or, like, like one I saw, there was an advert for a Drifter bar, and that blew out. I was like, oh, fucking hell, I remember Drifters. And I was going down, it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, adverts for just basic things that you can get in the shop, like a packet of Maltesers. Do we still do that? Because I feel like you just go in and you pick, don't you? Like, do you, does there need to be, like, a, you know, a Mad Men-style ad campaign to convince you that, like, this type, like, a Whisper bar is, is better than a Mars bar or whatever? I don't know. If, do no. we do that now? I feel, like, I feel like that's been lost to time. Oh, no. We're in the era of product placement, mate. Mm. This is, you know, they're the kind of things that you like to to sneak in like this delicious glass of professor peppies mm. from uh, from aldi mm. um, which in which obviously by the oh, name is joking? better than better than dr pepper are you uh, drinking I've it i got an aldi i oh, got a root beer aldi though ah. <laughs> i went up the weekend. aldi root beer i went in um, i sort of said this professor to peppy though <laughs> expert trolling I thought I thought I bought well they, they caught me this weekend. I thought I bought some um Frank's Red Hot, which is the proper buffalo sauce, because the logo was picture perfect on the Aldi one. It was like but they let the, the bit where it would say Frank's was a lot smaller. And I just saw like red hot sauce and bought it and got home and realized my uh my mistake. I can't believe that I'm fucking thirty eight years old and I'm still getting caught out by all these fake brands, but they got me a uh, Bramwells was it? It's okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd be saying here, Abbott. Abbott, Jerry for uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you just see a Derry yeah. and Coffin Duchess, pretty much. Yeah, it's right. like your daytime TV ads. So. There's oh, not like like Simon said, there's not like the old uh, tango ads from the uh, from the nineties. You know. Oh, uh, mate, the, the slap. <laughs> did the you slap do that at school? With the your tango mates? man. Did we do it? Fucking did we? <laughs> like, honestly, Concussions being thrown you out to there. Move like a ninja. That was mate, and it was brutal as well. There were some <laughs> big lads. Dishing out, and if anyone doesn't know, effectively in those adverts, they had like a double hand slap, so it'd be like bang, like <laughs> yeah. properly on both cheeks. Mm. Now, in the advert, there's a delay. There's a man who runs out, spray painted orange, like comes up, and it's just like you've been tangoed. So it'd be like to replicate the hit of when tango hits you. <laughs> this is product placement, folks. Like this entire description of a tango advert. But yeah, and it was a mad thing on the playgrounds. And they like had to change the ad campaign quite quickly. To do that, <laughs> like it felt like they did, but the genie was out of the bottle. Yeah, it was a new way to punish people. So there'd be people going in for a piss, and they'd like open up the toilet door and just get fucking slapped right, in there, <laughs> right, right in the face. Yep, my school was the same. Uh, Simon says, "Yeah, I remember it for life insurance during daytime. Do do have repeats in the uh, in the nineties? Free pens all over the place. Yeah, well, what's that about? Like the wrestling? Um, what does it say about the wrestling audience? Not much, I don't think. <laughs> Was it Lloyd's of London? Because it feels like they're the ones who should have been advertising. I didn't know any. I, I, I still know remarkably little about insurance." Oh wow, Lloyd's, that, though. Lloyd's of a... London though is something that's drilled into my head as like that was. That was, was a, the deal to fucking get. It was a British firm that just got fucked by all these 90s wrestlers just taking the absolute piss out of them because they were 
daft enough to ensure a load of wrestlers who, you know, were walking around with their arms full and legs falling off as it was that would, like, you know, run-of-the-mill wrestler injuries are things that, like, would retire, like, you know, a footballer or even, like, a tennis player or a golfer or whatever. Like, wrestlers are just like, oh, yeah, I'll work the next town. Like, or, like any, any, like, bog-standard wrestler injury was probably enough to get a, a full st- statement there. Oh, mate. Like, it... It was mad, wasn't it? It was Rick Rude uh, and Perfect are the ones I always remember. They're the ones who had the kind of... Because that's why Perfect... like It was like he had to break that Lloyds of London contract. So God knows how much WCW offered him to kind of like sort of go and actually wrestle there. But yeah. And Rick Rude was going to as well, wasn't he? That was the whole thing. Well, there was, was all trained. the weird ones, wasn't there? Like there was like... Um, was it Robot or Animal? Who had like... Because he was even working... Not Hawk, obviously. <laughs> but he was working in WWF in the ninety in the in the two thousands, wasn't he? But he was only working tag yeah. matches because it's like <laughs> they had like you can't work singles matches, but you can actually still work tags because that one. But that was him, wasn't it? I'm sure. How that was in him. the name of Christ <laughs> do you get that on an insurance policy? <laughs> Condiment to think it with a obviously you get injured less. Upper middle class bloke in the city of London. <laughs> and he's there going, well, sorry, animal. Can't believe I'm calling you this. Like, um, why don't you? Um, it's Joe Joe Laurinaitis, isn't he? That that was animals in brackets. The forgotten brother. Uh, shout out Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, how are they just discussing this on the phone with him? Mm. They're drawing up these contracts that he can't work. <laughs> it. it would explain why in Qatari pro wrestling he made an appearance, took out the tag champions, but he wasn't technically a match. <laughs> well, it's like when we were talking on the uh, the TNA um, flashback we did this week, the uh, the month one episode, like Ricky Steamboat, that was a big thing, and I'm pretty sure when he was in mm. um, in Ring of Honor, like he didn't do a match match with uh, with Punk, but they did like an int- you know a fight that you know didn't really end at a pinfall or whatever but it was basically a match without being a match i think that was a way to uh to get around the uh the lloyds of london thing like uh i don't know maybe saying that he's he's uh he's wised up now i think they were trying to get him to do that uh have you seen that rick flair pay-per-view that's coming up the fucking last oh, match mate. ever thing the star guy it's on SummerSlam weekend isn't it like i'm oh, watching that and reviewing it 100 percent. but like if oh, rick, yeah. flair, if rick flair dies in the ring will any of us be shocked like that interview he did this week where he was like on the press conference wasn't it where he was like yeah you know, I'd like a pacemaker or whatever fitted, but you can take that out. You know, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's still I'll, good. It's we'll like put it back in. And I was <laughs> like, that's that feels like a kind of an operation type of job. Mm. Call me funny, seeing as you need that for your heart to beat. Mm. Which this is mental. Like, I love like, that he hasn't got an opponent yet because no one's mental enough to take him up on it. Like, and I think I'm pretty sure, like, or there was a, supposed to be AEW talent on that show. I think they've mostly been pulled because it could easily be like this fucking, you know, for the sake of like, well, a couple hundred grand, Conrad wheeling out the fucking corpse of Ric Flair and getting him to do it a couple more chops and take a couple of bumps. His father in law, like, no less. Easily end in disaster. That's the weirdest fucking thing in the world, by the way. How did Conrad marry into that family? Like that is that's 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 even worse that we were having to go with Triple H last week. I feel like that's that's up there. Jesus Christ. Like that's a he said he's he said he was aiming to be better than but he's but he'll be better than 2009 Ric Flair. That won't be difficult as well. <laughs> like that really won't be, but no. Can't say I'm looking forward to it. Like it feels, I kind of like well, they've, they've announced some good ones wow. like the uh, the wolves versus um, multi shitty machine guns, I think, on the undercard. Yeah. There's a couple of other you know, the kind of rounded off the card. Well, it's just you know, 
And they, moved, they moved to a bigger from... stadium too, you know, moved to a bigger room. They did. They moved to the National Municipal Nashville Municipal Tour, Municipal Auditorium, which was going to be the permanent home of uh, TNA at one point. Oh. Thank God. It holds about 8,000, which would be a mental idea. Like, you know, <laughs> only, I think again, the only way they draw win the top all in salesmen. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Well, on that note, yeah, before we get into the main stuff, we did uh, talk some TNA this week. Then we're going to throw in a, a quick plug in we for did. our month one we did this week. That was fucking trip down memory lane. Me, me, you, and Matty oh. talking the first two TNA shows. Like, I, I, I felt like it was weird because I felt like I'd seen them. But mm. I almost like think definitely, I've definitely seen the first one at some point. But the second episode, like, I think I just read the 4-1 report and have convinced myself in the years since I'd seen it. Because, like, I haven't watched it. It felt completely new. Yous were making fun of me for not knowing who David Young was. Still still not certain that he's not, like, been a, you know... Imp- <laughs> it's not a Mandela effect thing where you all, all lived in a, in a, in a world where, where David Young existed and I didn't. Cause Matty was got proper disgusted by your lack of David Young knowledge. <laughs> He's just... Not even the spine buster, no. That didn't hold it. There. It was, it would, you know, obviously in the wrong circles. Apparently, he did some Ring of Honor appearances as well, but like, pff, yeah, no memories, no recollection. I just, he did. He obviously did that Slammiversary uh, Battle Royal last week, didn't he? And yeah, the Reverse Battle Royal, and everyone was going crazy. Feels like something I'd have been into, mate. But no, never heard of him. Never heard of the fuck up. There was some other few names like that. Fucking um, Gareth was saying to us today, wasn't he, about um, what's his name? Del Rios. Del Rios. On the, on the show, which is not Alberto Del Rio. Uh, it's also not S.A. Rios, but it's apparently the man almost also known as Phantasma. Um, like he, he was a standout. The wall on the show was a, was a standout. Flying oh, yeah. Elvises. Yeah. A lot, of, uh, a lot of characters I've forgotten about. T.O. versus Hollywood. <laughs> Fucking hell. That was rough. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just like it's a, it, it's a miracle how they got to twenty years when they you built, watch these first couple. They built the entire first show around a feud between Jeff Jarrett and fucking Jackie Fargo, like Jackie I Fargo. Like, I know. Honestly, like that. Yeah, that's gonna get. That's gonna get right. like the next generation of wrestling fans in the fucking Fargo strut. I quite like Memphis, but not that. Like, I mean, who next? Would they bring him up? Moon Dog Spot. Like, I mean, like, how deep into the, the <laughs> rabbit hole do you need to go to appeal to that particular audience? Um, mm. Yeah, it was it was great fun, though, to kind mm. of uh, watch and record as well. It My favourite bit was Matty, Barry and Will Smith. Like, Matty's been like oh, 10 minutes. Mate. If you, want to, if you want to hear Matty with a grudge against someone, listen to his uh, his take on Will Smith. Like, I, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, getting jiggy with it. Summertime with Jazzy Jeff, you know, great musical career. Some fun movies he did, Men in Black, you know, the likes, which uh, starts the conversation. Not Matty. Real but real, uh, real beef there. It was, uh, yeah. Good uh, for hatred. Good look into the mind frame of 2002 Matty, who apparently spent all his days playing EWR and uh, his evenings hating Will Smith. I was with him on the days, just not the evenings. Well, like, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or if the listeners are aware of this, but he slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars and we discussed it. <laughs> Um, way to now we podcast. might be a tad late to the conversation, <laughs> but like at least at least we 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 said our two. You'll find out where we stand on that uh, obviously important uh, you know issue. Massive, mm. massive. But yeah, also you know uh, yeah we've we've yeah we've had that 
on on there. At the Sorry, moment, Liam's obviously. putting it in the chat here to, let you, to correct you, AJP. Moondog Spot did appear in the Russo era of TNA and team with Jim Duggan. Oh, of course he fucking did. Oh my God. Of course he did. So that's the next month flashback did. we do month whatever what? TNA. When that when that Russo who who introduced himself to the TNA audience with that other well known sort of young uh, you know someone to attract the younger fan in in coming in as like Mister Wrestling Three or something like that, didn't he? I was like, yeah, that'll work. Like, <laughs> do that. Bring an Ivan Koloff while you're there. Like, just get all the fucking seven. That was Russo all over, like. though, wasn't it? It was like all old wrestling is bad, except for this very specific period that I've got nostalgia for. We'll redo all that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I blew my mind though that he wasn't around during that early run of NWA TNA because the you know the the Johnsons there were a whole load of ideas that were right up his street. Oh, like Matty was absolutely insistent that he wasn't involved and that he was that he. I'm I can't help but feel he was shifting a few ideas. <laughs> Maybe. Either that or like compared to like Ed Ferrara, he's the he's the one who comes across as the sane, rational, rational, reasonable one. But like, no, that's just fucking batshit really when you when you think about it like that but yeah we we did that on the um you've been uh, busy as well pod. yeah yeah I have. so we we finished off um kenobi season one so hello there has, uh, uh Spoilers? i'm not gonna fucking spoil it mate no i'm did not gonna do that it was, was Lucas it was a better it was a better last episode we so we reviewed the last two <laughs> episodes because between covid and work we didn't get a chance to record so we did um those uh two episodes together see episode five we ripped into it's just full of loads of plot holes and stuff like that episode six is better um as well but yes we we had that out recently on um on a um uh, uh on the show as well so that's out on the free feed at the moment um on top of that, like obviously we've got our we did our weekend show in preview for the this one today on Forbidden Door. We've got quite a back catalogue of stuff on there. And we will be doing a state of AEW uh podcast, we're hoping. Oh, at the, uh, yeah, well the, the original plan was to do like a Hangman Page deep cut or the assassination of Hangman Page by the coward Benson Richards, as coined by Chris Leno. Um, like we did with uh, with Kenny Omega and his title run, but it's kind of like snowball now. And uh, I think we're going to do like a full, maybe keep this up, a, a half year in review of AEW, you know, January to June. We'll have the, uh, the full uh, period in the can with Grapple Gareth, who will be joining us, whose idea this was, by the way. So you can look forward to Gareth coming to it. If you think it was too bad, he'll be coming to uh, stick the knife in with uh, <laughs> We're talking the positive, the negative, you know, the uh, the storylines across time. You know, Hangman Page's run as champion, obviously, will be uh, chief uh, chief among that, you know, looking at the uh, division metrics and uh, and numbers and stuff like that. So, you know, we're always um, always positive about AW, mate. So, you know, I think it's going to be a nice, always positive, positive mate. happy chat. Yeah. And <laughs> never wrong as well. Never wrong. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll discuss that today. Still think we're fucking right, but anywho. But, uh, that'll be coming up, but uh, obviously as well, we've got, uh, you know, Tokyo Joshi Pro Deep Dive, as, uh, as Carl points out in the chat here. Simon's um, uh, Heart Foundation versus uh, Steve Austin from the yes. 7 podcast, which uh, will be in, in touch this week, Simon, about, uh, about getting sorted out as well. So yeah, plenty of uh, stuff coming there on the Patreon side. But yeah, you know, on the subject of, uh, of AEW and their uh, their first six months of the year, I think this is kind of a bit of a, a one-subject show this today, isn't it, JP? Like, mm. like you said at the top, there's a... Uh, other than uh, two in many ways, isn't there? There's two companies. So yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. But we're, we're getting two for one. Um, I know you didn't watch it. There's no other wrestling there that caught your eye over the weekend, mate, other than... Uh, 
whatever the fuck was going on at MLW? No, not really. I haven't had a chance to watch the Stardom show. Mm. Yeah, that was the only other like kind of big show. It felt like there was a deliberate. Because obviously, it's 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 what the focus of AEW New Japan was. Um, so there was very little else. I think there's money in the bank this weekend. But we're not even fucking sure. podcast this. Or that's Vegas, by the way, isn't it? Which is uh, that's the the one that got moved down from the uh, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, mm. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, um, like. I, that's the kind of thing like i was like looking for you know over the weekend like wrestling podcast wise like i think everyone and their and the and the kid had done a done a forbidden door preview because it was kind of <laughs> all there was to uh to talk about it was you know whether we were uh excited for the show or not it was the uh the big wrestling um news story of the weekend wasn't it so yeah that's the uh that's the that's the main uh talking point the main mm-hmm. thing we'll uh we'll get into so yeah without further ado jp should we talk how uh how right we were or how wrong we were or somewhere in between uh, <laughs> i don't know where we're gonna gotta land on this uh did see a lot of uh a lot of talk over the uh over the, the you know the, the show being uh turning out to be good therefore you know the people who criticized the uh the AW coming in must uh, must be wrong. Um, you know, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll fess up to some things. No, we fucking won't. We're uh, old school message posters. Posters. We will not. <laughs> we will never admit to uh, to being wrong on uh, on anything. Um, but no, like it's obviously been uh, been really well received, and I think we were gonna have a, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, positive to uh, to say about it. But did you uh, watch this thing thing live, JP? Just uh, I'm guessing you didn't. Uh, you weren't up till uh, no. till five in the morning, mate. Last night. No, no, and this is the thing. I've been in a kind of a silo before this, so I haven't really like I managed to stay kind of pretty spoiler free. Um, I managed to avoid it. I was at work all day, and then when I got back, there was a few little bits and bobs, and then I've kind of watched the show, and then here I am. So, I, in terms of like a general consensus, like I think if you're wanting like a kind of an, an overview from me, I thought the show was a lot of fun. And I think there's some like really good stuff on there. And I enjoyed it more than I thought I would do. However, like ultimately, like I thought there were things like in terms of if you think about the the sort of the USP of these shows is is a kind of like matches that you would kind of put up there as as kind of what you might think of as as classic sort of singles encounters. We don't we didn't really get that. But we did have a lot of kind of what I kind of expected where there'd be kind of cool interactions on the undercard and they played that stuff kind of perfectly and gave it enough time to kind of breathe as well. So this, even though it's like near four hours, is that right? And then you've got like all of the bloody buy-in as well. This didn't feel like double or nothing where like I was I was struggling. It was like an endurance test. Yeah, it felt like it was just a really fun, easy to watch pay per view. Mm. Like I had a fucking yeah. great time last night um, watching mm. this, and yeah, we were we were dowering the build up to it. And you know, stand by everything we said. The build up was bad. the The card they put together was not the you know the optimum or befitting of you know the grandiose idea of a New Japan versus a AW card. But you know, as we said on the pre show, and I think. You know, as I think most podcasts like ours, really, you were critical of the uh, the bill. Kind of said, I mean, this is just not the story of AEW right now. You know, we we are extremely low on the the booking week to week, but we know, and it's 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 absolutely apparent when you watch these dynamites that at the end of the day, 
some the best wrestlers in the world. You put them in matches, even if the booking around them is like on fire, they're go- they're gonna have great matches. Yeah, that's the absolute benefit of AEW that they allow. You know, they give twenty minutes for Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly, just whatever you think of the uh, the booking leading up to it, to go out there and have a a banging match. They'll go out there and they'll give you a banging match. So, is it a surprise that the you know the some of the literally tippy top best wrestlers in the world went out there and despite the circumstances, despite you know the less than optimum build and less than optimum card, you know, in front of and that I mean let's throw this praise out an absolutely killer Chicago crowd who, you know, raise the the level what of absolutely crowd. everything yeah. and everyone and with, you know, a whole bunch of New Japan wrestlers who haven't really worked so much in front of lively crowds, apart from the odd New Japan um, mm. USA show these these last couple of years, went out to kill it. And yeah, I think even even the people who were maybe on the opposite end to us, who maybe enjoyed the build or were you know more excited than we were for matches like Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay or you know Tanahashi and uh, and John Moxley, I think it even exceeded. You know, I think the reasonable expectations of those people. It was a show that massively, massively over-delivered. Yeah, and I think that's the other key word for it is like kind of over-delivered. And it was I felt with that crowd, that crowd kind of willed it to be much better than perhaps like what we were given, which was like, you know, on the undercard, like a hell of a lot of fun. Like just in terms of those opening, was it three, four matches that were just like, Jesus, this is, these are all a lot of fun. In party, their man. own, it was. It was just like a real party, and everyone was there to just go. No, like the build be damned. We yeah. we're gonna love this show, and they did. And they and fifteen thousand like, odd people in a building who yeah. you know had bought these tickets before you know knowing what the card was you know, and they went there and they went with you know the right attitude. I think to go out there and have, you know be there and enjoy the moment and, and have fun and raise everything there. And I, I I think I do think that that's part of it as well. I think like the the negative feel and across the board because you know I think it it kind of started where like you know you'd hear like a lot of criticism of AW booking from Wade Keller and the likes. I think we've been relatively critical mm. over time, but as the weeks went on, it got close to the pay per view. I didn't I don't think I I listened to any po- any preview podcast pretty much that was uh you know positive about the build. There was there's variations on you know how excited people were for you know the card itself and what they thought the upper limits of you know the quality of the uh, the car could be but it felt like yeah everybody and their dog was kind of feeling like we were was feeling like it definitely felt like there was a definitely a dour feeling you know over the weekend on twitter and the like of of you know uh negative feeling towards the show and probably seep through to the wrestlers because the wrestlers went out there with the attitude of we're gonna kill it, and like I say, you put the the best wrestlers in the world out there and let them work matches, and yeah, you know you're gonna get a, a result like this. It was yeah, everyone like Darren says here in the chat, you know, felt like a super indie where everyone uh, got brought in, got the shit in, and and had fun. You know, it, it definitely definitely felt like one of those shows where it was just it just the hit the hit they struck lightning, didn't they? They struck gold. It just worked, um, and yeah, it despite did. all of our uh, complaints, you know, people and people like us, uh, the build and what the car could have been, you know, you can't you can't argue. You know, I think there's definitely got it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what what the the show actually did as far as buys go. You know, Tony Khan mm. was relatively high um, on that expectation of it in the uh, in the press bit I saw afterwards. He was still expecting, you know, in the 100,000 range. I believe double or nothing. They're expecting in the 150,000 range. But, you know, 100 plus he cites as a victory. 
we were kind of saying that on the weekend show. So, you know, if that comes to fruition, that's true. Mm. But yeah, the truth of the matter is the people like us who were uh, feeling uh, negative um, about the show going in, if you didn't watch it, you ended up missing out. Like it did end yeah. up being, you know, like I say, over delivering. I think that's the word, you know, over delivering and fun. They're the two words I think we're going to be uh, saying a lot as we uh, we go through this show. Well, it's it's interesting because the, you know, the build to this obviously, as we spoke about in the weeks for this, and I absolutely stand by, was was a mess. It was like a complete mess. A lot of the stuff that built this within the actual show itself was stuff taken from the countdown to Forbidden Door. That was show, great. That was which wonderful. Was, yeah, we hadn't seen that. They were always great. And it's just like, but they exist in this little vacuum of YouTube and then late, really late night after Rampage. And it's like, this is the kind of stuff that you want to be putting on, like as a, you know, when, you know, you need to have it in a, in a lot more slots. You need to have it within the show because there's a lot of great production work that goes into it. And that made it kind of feel more important as well. And so you've got the kind of combinations of you've got some really, like, really high-quality good wrestling in front of a really hot crowd where, you know, there is, like, you know, and they're rising to this level. And then a shout-out for the commentary, certainly for the first half of the show, where you felt like Excalibur could breathe because he wasn't the person who was being expected to actually know all of the information. There was a sense that Taz is going to do a lot more heavy lifting, certainly than Jim Ross and more than Tony Schiavone, who's always had his kind of limitations to a degree. And then you've got Kevin Kelly in there, who is able to go in there and effectively play kind of colour commentator as well. And I just thought he was tremendous, because he was able to talk about New Japan. You know, generally, Taz and Excalibur obviously kind of know what he's talking about. So you've got like the kind of duties being shared amongst the three of them. And they had like a, just a lovely dynamic as well. Like I thought that worked. I, I just thought it was, I thought it was tremendous as well. I thought Kevin Kelly was quite funny at points for some of the stuff, but, and then JR comes out. No, oh, there was that. Yeah, and I was. It was funny on the pre-show when it was Excalibur, Taz, and Kevin Kelly. I was like, "Well, this is the pre-show. You know, they're going to wheel out Jr. and Giovanni, and they're going to fuck off this fun dynamic." And they, you know, yeah, you know, we'll get into the odd time they decided to wheel Jim Ross out there. Like Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay wouldn't have been my choice as uh, an introduction to to Jim Ross on this show. But yeah, I think that that you know we could talk about you know in general the presentation of it as a as an element of the presentation mm. you know i thought the you know, the ring announcing you know having justin roberts and the uh japanese ring announcer um was it something shibata isn't it um yeah yeah with him out there i mean he it was a little bit funny because he just you know for the for the, for like the first few matches he was just kind of nonchalantly repeating yeah. <laughs> the names and like <laughs> that justin roberts had just said and then in the main events he just i feel like they could have done like some kind of better combo of the two but it was cool they had them both bit weird they didn't fly the refs over i thought that was um a bit a uh, bit missing i thought as far as you know even you know even uh, andy q will do that you know fly over uh targetory or red shoes or whatever it was at you know the time um obviously you might need to update those references but yeah there's definitely um you know maybe, maybe slightly missing that but you know as far as presenting it as like a joint show like i thought they, they nailed it you know the commentary commentary wise taz probably wouldn't have entered my brain as like that's the guy who should be on the call with Excalibur and Kevin Kelly. Like I would have expected, you know, with his new Japan, um, you know, USA um, commentary he used to do on uh, what was it on? It was the um, 
the old ch- the channel TNA is on, wasn't it? Um, th- those old one hour uh, New Japan Access TV. A- yeah, Access. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would have thought maybe they they lean into that and use JR for the full show. Well, you know, they 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 used him sparingly, which was a, a dream. And thought Taz was fantastic. You know, I just thought it was uh, in parts. You know, it was lighthearted and fun you know the banter between you know him and Excalibur that they kind of do on Dark anyway with Kevin Kelly getting involved and then when it needs to be serious and you need to tell the story of the matches Taz was right there too I just thought if anything it was an advert for you know this is probably what the uh, the AW commentary you know should be going forward this is probably yeah. uh, the team and they even worked in you know Caprice Coleman I was appreciative of the fact that, you know, um, they didn't involve yeah. Chris Charlton. Um, I just don't think he's a... I mean, it's a controversial take within our bubble, but I don't think he's a very good commentator at all. Um, but he's a very good translator um, and good at providing information. But, you know, I don't think I would have uh, squeezed even, uh, you know, Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone out the booth to uh, to have him in there. But I thought, you know, using Kevin Kelly in that role was was perfect. They used, uh, you know, Chris mm. Charlton for the, the translations uh, after the show in the press conference, which I thought was a, a good move too. And all in all, I just felt like they, uh, they absolutely nailed it. They did. And that's been, like, that was one of the things of Double or Nothing. I think they used, like, kind of, was it five or six commentators on, on this? And they kind of had an equal number, but it was, I was glad to see Caprice Coleman get a shot on there as well. And Ricka Bonnie would be, if you're not going to get Kevin Kelly from New Japan, Ricka Bonnie is like your next kind of best pickup for that if you are going to do that as well and Taz just needs to be on the commentary booth like it's the thing now where he he manages to like I mean apart from I always thought like in TNA he always felt a bit weird because he was replacing Don West who's so much kind of integral to who like kind of TNA was so it's like a very much different dynamic but yeah like you mentioned they they it felt like we were being for the very first time in this whole since Forbidden Door was happening, we were having things explained to us throughout the show at a pace where you could kind of take it in. And even then, like I say, it was a long show, but you felt like you had Kevin Kelly in there to kind of give the right context as well. And, you know, they had a... probably, to his defence, probably, and it's Simon saying here, he's pro Chris Charlton himself. You probably had Chris Charlton in his ear giving giving them those facts. Like, Chris Charlton's great at that. I just don't think he's good at, you know, emotive talking or uh, broadcasting, especially when you've got a whole load of pros there. But, yeah, you know, I think that was the the perfect... um, set up for it i think it uh, it really really worked uh really well but yeah we might as well get, get into the show and we said before we'll uh mm-hmm. probably go through this in a in chronological order i think it's the the best way to do it the uh the story of to tell uh, i suppose the story of uh the night and i'm sure we can we can probably talk about this as a whole we'll kick off with the uh with the buy-in um obviously yeah the goto and yoshihashi beating the aaron soul and qt marshall lance archer beating nick camarato keith lee and swerve strickland beating despy and kanemaru and max caster and i'd say the gun club but billy gun mm. um <laughs> defeating um your young boys there uh, a variety of matches there jp but uh a lot of uh a lot of fun stuff in there and like the uh the perfect perfect way to kick things off i thought this uh this buy and again blew away expectations that uh that i had for it and yeah it was just a, a riot right through i thought yeah this is the strange thing isn't it they they kind of packed this buy-in four matches and i think lance arch and nick camarillo was like a late addition to the to the buy-in as well, wasn't it? You said it was this one of the ones from Rampage that they kind of just had thrown on and you're like, oh, okay. But I mean, I thought with the exception of like, I enjoy the acclaimed and the gun club being together. I'm fine with perfect, with a lot of that stuff as the kind of this like undercard unit, like kind of going through that. It, it 
does work. It's entertaining. It's perfect for the kind of buy-in stuff. I didn't think it made the young lions look particularly good. The Billy Gunn. What was Gun. the deal with the, with the two Colton boys? Like, were they injured or like why did they do this angle where they ran off? Was it just? I don't know. It feels like they're all marks for Billy Gunn backstage. Like they're like, look at the size of him. Ah, no one could legitimately beat beat Billy. We need to book him as this monster. Or it would be if we did it four on four, it wouldn't be credible. Is that the logic? Like, I don't really. Because in the end, yeah, they just like to be. Honest, I didn't even think it made Max Castor look good. To be honest, like Billy Gunn just demolished who it was Alex Coughlin he pinned. Like just just yeah. demolished him, and then Max Castor is it. It's a you know pretty token elbow drop off the top to pin. Like it was the uh, it was the Billy Gunn show. DK, they might have been the DKC, DKC you finally saw. Yeah, yeah. The, um, still couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but especially not after It's this. his name, by the way, in case you're curious. I can't remember what it is. I think his first name's Dylan, but it's like, <gasps> oh, that's right. the DKC oh, Dylan. is. I don't think I'd seen Kevin Knight before either, um, but yeah, mm. it was... Um, Great dropkick on him. He just mm. needs to fill out. It's time. It's stuff like that. And it's no, like, travesty having them beat like this, but... I don't know. You would have expected it to be a little bit more competitive. And yeah, I don't see what the issue was with doing four versus four with uh, unless, as Darren said here in the chat, yeah, we needed to give 60 year old Billy Gunn the rub, brother. Like that seems to be the uh, the way things are. No, it didn't work for him, brother, did it? Um, <laughs> before, no, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think they kind of. It, it, but like, I'm not going to be upset by a an undercard match on a buy in to a pay per Still a laugh. Because it did. It did the job of what it was meant to do, which is it, it was a laugh. I thought that Ass Boys tune that they had Dan Housen play, I still don't get. Like, I thought that was quite funny. Like, just the tune itself, like, made me laugh. Like, the idea of them mucking up the, you know, saying Tokyo Dome and, and the rest of it. It's like, it's, Should if you've got that crowd and you're looking to get them, like, kind of hyped up for the main show, this is the kind of stuff that you put on there as they, well. But, I mean, in terms of the the... I was gonna say on just on them though, like it's that are that are that are an attitude here act. It's what they are. Like they, there's no yeah. you know, Max Caster shouldn't be a main eventer, there shouldn't be any oh let's let's move them to the upper mid card or let's move them up. No, they're fine in this role. Fun catchphrases that are over with the fans that everyone enjoys and like you say, gets everyone going. Mm-hmm. And that's where they belong Cult on the card, and they can lose. You know, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. Billy and Max the new, new Asian outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> but yeah, it's stupid. As Darren said, it's stupid. It should be annoying. I don't even get off of it. Like the the scissor and stuff, and half of the half of the like the references kind of go over my you know thirty eight year old head. <laughs> but like whatever, it's funny. It works. It, it you know it's something people latched onto. You know, yeah. great great role for them to be the uh, the main event of this undercard. And we've always said with the acclaimed as well, and it's a shame that Bowens is out because he's he was getting very good. There was a point in time he was having some. He always feels like one of them is injured, as the other one, and then like because Max Caster was out for a long time, and it was Anthony Bowen having these like kind of singles matches. And he was getting better. He was in there again, you know. I think he was in there. Was he against Danielson and Moxley and all manner of of kind of people and having like kind of really good TV matches. It's they're the kind of act though that if their contract came up, WWE should be looking at. Like that's the kind of talent I feel. It's like you, they could heart. I feel like they they would know better how to harness it into something else. Like I mean, obviously they do some, you know, um, they might have to do something with the tone of it. And I thought his rap was quite funny. Like it, it was like kind of the the sort of anti New Japan rap. I thought was good. But the other three matches on here. Like on the app, I've gone like kind of like two and a half stars for like the the tag match, or like both of the tag matches, but that's not like saying they're bad. They're like six to eight minutes long, 
and they were a lot of fun and their job wasn't to burn out the crowd and give them stuff that was really great. It was just presenting a lot of people. It was just like putting people on the show. And it sounds like obviously that was a big criticism that I have. And I still think it's absolutely valid about the amount of people they try and put onto a show. But weirdly here, it worked. That's interesting. Because they didn't. I was, I was yeah. a lot higher on um, Swerve, the uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against uh, Despy and Kanemaru. I thought that was like a I go way higher than two and a half. I think I went three and a half, maybe no. to, to three point seven five. Let me have a check on that one then. I might have got, I might have gone like three stars, but then I was that was the only thing I did see live, and I was like pretty much falling asleep. I was a killer. Like, that no, it was just fun. Well. It was like a Despy and Kanemaru, like endless endless kind of uh, leg work like i'm sure gareth would have been into the air uh, the, the targeting of the air uh, the knee they were doing and you know the, the submission based stuff they were doing with her uh, to try and ground keith lee and then keith keith lee just kind of launching them around which is what he's best at with the with the uh the smaller lads oh yeah i thought that was one of the uh the better the stronger matches of the night in fact i thought it really uh really was good i'm just looking at the uh the app now that one's uh it's got an average of uh, three and a half, so like that's kind of where it is, yeah. um, kind of where I am as well. But yeah, I thought that was the absolute. Well, the stuff on this show, I do want to watch again because I've like I've kind of like squeezed it in for this, but it feels like a show that actually is it's that much fun. It could be quite fun to go back and watch it again. Sorry, using the word fun far too much <laughs> um, on there as well. I will. I mean, I've I've got like in terms of the the post match stuff, and it's like. And they're they're, break, they're looking to break up Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland already, which kind of feeds into the problem that have that they'd sign these two wrestlers, don't really know what to do with them, put them together as a team, and then having them break up. And it's like, how long have they both been there? Like, the, if if that's if that feels like a the route they're going down in the never ending feud with Team Taz, which is just like a, such a placeholder for all of them, when you kind of want to see them progress. I would have liked like... to, to have seen, um, yeah, you know, the Team Taz lads on the uh, the show itself. But, yeah, mm. uh, I, I get what you're saying. But, no, I, I kind of like that as, like, a little uh, post-match promo bit. Um, and the other two matches on the on the, uh, on the the pre-show, you know, Lance Archer and Nick Camarato was... It was a bit messy, but it was kind of two big lads having a, a messy yeah. match, which is kind of fine. You know, I feel like almost harsh giving it to two stars in the app because I don't actually think the work was particularly good, but it was a fun spectacle. You know, Nick Camarata's yeah. got a got a long way to go, but you know, he was there to put Lance Archer over, who, who did feel a little bit, little bit lost in the shuffle, considering he's the he's the lad that uh, they're sending over to the G One. You would have thought he might have had something a little bit more prominent to uh, to do on the show. It was almost like they just remembered last minute. Oh yeah, we haven't given a match. We'll uh, we'll add him to the buy-in. He can go. He can smash through. Uh, Nick Camarato, so you know they saved themselves laughing with that. I thought that was fine, and yeah, I thought you know Goto and Yoshihashi got a nice pop as the first uh, New Japan guys coming out. I think there's definitely a you know an interesting note there that that Goto was apparently you know a big enough deal to be one of the three men handpicked, other than the uh, the winner of the battle royal to be the uh, number one contenders for the uh, the AEW <laughs> title. You know, having lost to Tanahashi, he is now. Working a tag in the opener of the buy-in with Aaron Solo and QT Marshall, uh, I think if anything could tell you that there was maybe a split in, uh, you know, there's a uh, there are decisions you Japan made and there are decisions Tony Khan made, and um, I think that probably tells you that, uh, you know, in being in that tournament was a New Japan decision and throwing him in there against Aaron Solo and QT Marshall as a, a, a last thought was a was a Tony Khan decision, but you know that worked as well for what it was. I get a bit of a kick out of the uh, the QT Marshall and, uh, and Aaron Solo stick from what I've seen of them on New Japan Strong. Hey. QT Marshall was really busting out some of like, as you probably remember, some of the very old was it old school QT Marshall moves. 
<laughs> space like flying target drop. Like, he's the like, he, nearly killed himself. he needs to stop it. <laughs> like that like you get away with that once, but yeah. like it's it was scarily close to the kind of ring apron. Um yeah. But it was, but like I say, it was fun. It's not like watching the buy-in was a drag, and you weren't and like they managed to get the kind of pace of it right. It's probably helped for you staying up and going into the show that this stuff was, it was, it was quite, it was good. It kind of was over relatively quickly, and then it sort of got you nicely warmed up without burning you out on anything going up into the main show. The, the perfect buying, you know, pace wise, and you know, we didn't waste half an hour on, you know, not much happening. It was just, it was all action, and yeah, if if people were on the fence thinking oh, they're not going to buy this based on the build, you got from that hour an idea of one, the lads were up for it, two, the crowd were up mm. for it, and three, this was feeling like you know, despite everything, it was going to be a special show, and yeah, that continued into the main show, which kicked off with a. Uh, you know, canny uh, political mind Chris Jericho uh, talking his way into an opener match featuring Eddie Kingston once again. But, uh, you know, smart because Jericho Guevara and uh, Suzuki against uh, Kingston, Utah and, uh, and Ubino was the uh, was the opener. And fuck me, did this. This is this pipe of view as, uh, as, you know, distilled into a match. Blew away all expectations. Like, they couldn't have had a worse you know, set up for the match, you know, Jericho hammering through exposition on that uh, that episode of Dynamite, you know, introducing new characters like Shota Rumino with, uh, for some reason he got to choose you as on Eddie Kingston's team. It was all, it was all very weird and rushed. For some reason, he was team with Mauro Suzuki. For some reason, Sammy Guevara was in the match and, and you know, not maybe a, a possibly slightly more suitable member of uh, Jericho's faction in Daniel Garcia. But despite all of that, despite the random nature of the match, they went out there and fucking killed it. Like, this was awesome. I absolutely loved this as an opener. I went four stars on it. Thought, you yeah. know, everybody had their working boots on. Where the fuck was this show to in, uh, in Rev Pro? You know, he looked twice the wrestler he's, uh, he's ever looked there. Part of that was the fact that it felt like, you know, with Jericho, I'm sure it was him that put a word in to get the uh, the footage shown of uh, him beating up uh, Red yeah. Shoes and, uh, and slapping uh, Shota from that uh, from that Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 12, was it? Uh, from, maybe not that yeah. far, 14. From, the, from, from that Wrestle Kingdom year um, where, the, uh, where, where that took place. Like, he decided to create his own little mini story, which I might have maybe enjoyed, you know, explaining on the TV in the weeks leading up as to why Shota was uh, was in this match. But for whatever reason, Jericho just decided, okay, you know, I got on with your dad or whatever, or I knew your dad, so I'm going to put you over, kid. And he spent half the match giving Shota, like, these genuinely credible near falls and taking all these big bumps for him. And he made him look like a like a million dollars. I thought it was it was fantastic. I thought Eddie Kingston was brilliant in the match, his little um, yeah. back and forth with Jericho and, you know, Minoru Suzuki, which I would have loved to have seen even more of um, in the match. Yeah. Sammy Guevara, who felt like a spare part, you know, as far as the announcement goes and as far as fitting into this match, he made sure he had his little um, moments to, to shine with his, you know, with his high flying and dives and stuff. And yeah, it was just chaos for, you know, almost 20 minutes, molten crowd, you know, the perfect opener. Absolutely love this. Yeah, absolutely. And they gave it time to breathe. Like, gave this nearly 20 minutes. And that helped. Normally, if you think, right, opening with a 20-minute match, is it is it going to drag? And it didn't because there were so many moving parts, but it, it did. It worked. I just was shocked that the person – I was expecting myself to come in like Eddie Kingston as being like the kind of story of the match. But no, you're right. It's like Shota Umino. 
which seems incredible when I think of all the matches I've seen him here in Rev Pro, and I've just got, oh, Christ, here he is. Just looks like budget Tanahashi. And like, no, here he was he was kind of on. I think he means more because of like that Moxley connection. Whereas within Rev Pro, that isn't something that's really necessarily played up. So he's just he's, you know, New Japan young lion on excursion. Um, but yeah, there was like I, I loved the the kind of various interactions on this. Jericho felt like he was absolutely on it. They like like you say, everyone got a chance to kind of get their shit in, get their shine. And um yeah, it worked. Like I felt Wheelie you to getting much more of a sort of bigger response from from that crowd as well. I was a bit shocked they put in the stipulation, and it seemed like inevitable who was going to win at that point. And again, I hadn't realised this in the build up that it was. I think the end of it rampage, yeah, or after rampage. I think, um, yeah, right. But that, it's the right result, isn't it? The heels go over, and then the, it's heels the right result have the uh, the advantage, you know, for war games. That's the way it should work. The one thing I was gonna, I thought you were you gonna say you were shocked at was that uh, Jericho was uh, was in there with uh, with Wheeler doing uh, Benoit tribute spots on the anniversary of um, two thousand seven. Um, you know, the Germans and stuff. I don't know if yeah. that was on purpose or not, but yeah. Mm. And then got the over. face afterwards. Yeah. yeah. It got over, but mm, I don't think people were putting two and two together, but I wonder if that was on purpose. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, I went four stars. What did you give it? I went four stars on it. It's oh, four stars. Yeah, trending on the app of 4.02. So we're pretty much dead on it. It was, yeah. In the end, the perfect way to uh, to kick this uh, this card card off. So yeah, eat a little bit of a crow on that because it was not a match I was uh, looking forward to one bit. Um, but in the end, the the parts were uh, better than the sum. I can't remember what analogy we used on uh, on the weekend show, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely a, a surprise to me. And uh, yeah, the hits kept on coming because uh, after that we went into uh, the three way uh, tag match: uh, Rapongi vs United Empire and FTR. Um, I've got a feeling you might be a bit higher than me on this one. I I liked it, but maybe not as much. As uh, the grapple average is uh, is saying, I went three and a half, and the average is uh, three point seven nine um, on the uh, on the app at the minute. Maybe trending more towards uh, four stars. It was uh, at last lot. Maybe that's uh, that's toned down a little bit now. But uh, yeah, um, what did you make of this one? I think for me, the, the thing that maybe took me out of it a little bit. Um, actually, before I get to that, I will say, love FTR. Like after this babyface run of mm. uh, of FTR, just. They feel like it's two of the biggest stars on the roster. That music hits, and there's just a changing yeah. mood, you know, in in the arena. It's that. It's the gear. It's the way they present themselves now as baby faces. FTR should not work this well, but fuck me, it does. Um, absolutely love them them in the match. Didn't love the injury spot. Uh, I know people were were into that, but mm. I don't know. It was like I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And when you do that, because you can either, you know, it didn't really go on long enough. For, you know, for um. Which what not was it Dax who uh, who got taken out? Um, yeah, it was FDR here was uh, was left on his own. Let's go with that. He was left on his own, not really for that long. So it wasn't really like it was this great moment when his partner came back, or he was in particularly any kind of strife. I mean, the crowd bought it like that, and it got a a great pop on the night. And many a worker will tell you that's all that uh, all that really matters. But I don't know. I kind of feel like to sell it more, you need to take longer. But then you do end up in Cody territory, don't you? Where it's uh, you know almost a, a detriment to the match. Just a, a weird spot to do, um, considering it was a work and wasn't a, a legitimate injury. But that aside, you know, a lot of a lot of fun work in the match. Um, Rapongi Vice were there for the exact reason we thought they were to eat the pin. Um, but a nice surprise to see uh, FTR go over and uh, yeah, now they're uh, both ROH Tag Team Champions and the uh, the New Japan Tag Team Champions. So I think there's a lot of uh, fun possibilities of what you can uh, do with them coming out of this. 
Yeah, and, and they've waited a long time, haven't they? Because like they joined AEW during COVID. You could tell, being the kind of wrestlers they are, obviously, they're going to win the IWGP titles. And they'd imagine they'd want to win it properly, like in Japan, at like a, a, a big show or something uh, along those lines. But I'm with you. I went three and a half stars. And it was primarily, like, I really enjoyed, like, I thought it was a, a lot of fun during the match again and it was again another match that kind of over delivered but still had the kind of room to breathe but like you that this is where we talk about the crowd kind of willing this on because they were great with the injury angle and and stuff like that and then when he came back out they popped big and that kind of made it mean something um but like i thought like i i i won't lie i don't quite understand why they're as popular as what they are like i don't know where how this is kind of built up to be this way because they were doing promos about themselves as families and now they seem like to be completely beloved and i'm still kind of quite not sure how it's happened and i don't have an issue with it obviously but um yeah i that was the thing that slightly took me out of it I have to say, I'm really enjoying Jeff Cobb. I generally enjoy Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn as a as a tag team. You know, I mean, if this is like a few something becomes like a bit of a feud, they end up doing in Japan on a couple of big shows, and I'm fine with this being one of their kind of two sort of big show deals where they have matches and they'll trade the titles and the rest of it. I'm kind of generally fine with that. Um, and I thought like Rapongi Vice were fine, and they didn't kind of like stink up the place and again it, it it generally flew by and this was another like you know 50 you know what's 16 minute match as well to kind of start off the show but it just felt like you weren't shortchanged by anyone in these first two matches and we'll talk about it for the third <laughs> match as well where you've got all these kind of big parts but everyone is given time and that was a really important thing and it didn't feel like the end of the previous dynamite where there's like three separate angles going on as two men stare at each other uncomfortably for two minutes. I think that can be a dangerous game though with an AWP because we have sat yeah. here and moaned about them <laughs> running too long, uh, which was my worry at the start of this, that when they were given, uh, you know, the, the negative of giving that much time to to, to mm. the opener be going almost 20 minutes, felt like, oh no, was that going to be the pace for uh, for tonight? There can, there can be a negative to that, um, I think, but... I think if you've got this many wrestlers, this crowd, and kind of some unique interactions, you can get away with it on on this kind of a card. I think as like a as a sort of as an exhibition and possibly one off event. We you know New Japan can blow very hot and cold on these things when it comes to relationships with companies. So whether or not they, I, I would still hold doubt on there being a second one for whatever reasons. But like I you know it still made this like a, a lot of fun because again it's it wasn't like feeling like you were putting out like an exhibition match out there for sort of 15 minutes like because there was a lot of action and it, you know I'm not mad on these many on these many kind of multi-mans at the start of a show but on this particular card it worked for the whole concept I think of it was, the show. It was kind of, you know, what maybe what we understood was that the, just the the novelty of, okay, yes, yeah, would we rather see, you know, Suzuki versus Kingston or would we rather see, yeah. you know, some of these lads who were buried in, in six bands in prestigious singles matches? Yes, but we kind of forgot that maybe the, the you know, the the novelty of just seeing these people interact in the first place, you know, and the crowds were well up for just seeing that and just seeing, you know, these characters that you might not uh, see in the, uh, in the same ring or in the same show. 
do that. Um, before we move on, I was going to say, I, I meant to mention it there on the uh, on the previous match. I will. I'll throw in a big quick plug for uh, for Will. By the way, Will did a uh, really good article on why uh, you think on uh, on fan fight, which I believe he's uh, he's joined now. And why he thinks uh, Eddie Kingston should Ooh. be the uh, should have been the uh, the new AEW uh, interim uh, champion. So yeah, check that out, folks, if you uh, haven't already. There you go, Phil. There's your there's your uh, there's your plug, mate. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that'll be a point that I'll also be well. I say homage to it. I'll be stealing for the when we do a state of the AEW one about a direct, directions to go in and characters to go behind. But yeah. Yeah, Carl says he in the chat as well. He'd love to see stats on how many AEW pay per view matches have gone less than 10 minutes. There you go. Put that, grab Gareth, get those uh, stats together for us for the uh, for the six month uh, yeah. year in review. We'll uh, we'll chat that. Um, but yeah, moving on. And so, yeah, another match uh, that, that, you know, another multiple person match but a, a four-way uh this time pack miro malachi black and clark connors um who they gave a promo uh, to kind of get his uh mm-hmm. his character over. <laughs> don't know how well he did with that but he did his uh did his best bless him did clark as uh his town was fucking impressive it was you know late 2000s Shawn michaels level is uh the and he was uh he was quite the sight and to be honest like i, I didn't really understand why or how but he kind of became like a bit of a folk hero um in this match uh with the mm-hmm. with the other lads in there you know i think maybe the crowd took to him as like this underdog who you know you couldn't possibly uh expect to win here so they kind of latched onto as as their guy um you know he had a couple of fun big spots in the match you know they gave him that big spear um through the table on the uh on the outside when everyone all three of the other lads were trying to move there and he was the one who got it you know they did a, a good job of uh giving him those little uh individual moments mm-hmm. even if you know from the start he was again clearly there to take the fall that's another thing on this show you know one thing that you definitely uh say is that i think the uh the predict i don't think we're gonna the uh the predictions for the finishes uh wrong on this one because it was all pretty much uh, paint by numbers wasn't it but you know that's uh that's what he was there lowest man on the air uh, the totem pole uh, there to do and i thought the uh four of them had a, a full match again i would probably have rather seen a, a singles match with any of these parts again i think i may be slightly lower than the average i went three and a half on this one as well the average for this sitting at 3.89 on grapple so near a four um people seem to uh to absolutely love this but i don't know maybe for me there's just a bit of a a ceiling on a on a four-way match don't know about you i could see your point i went 3.75 so a slightly higher probably yeah. more more in tune tune with the average um again this was like sorry to be really boring with this but it over delivered it was for a title that can i just correct you in the chat it was for a a stupid match for a stupid title (laughs) and connor's was the only person the google crowd wasn't pissed off for not being in a real match so they went for him that's will's explanation on it so yeah i also think as well (laughs) the crowd likes pack the crowd likes miro and Miro, again, if he's going to be there for a same period of time and avoid injury, someone you want to have up around that main event scene, frankly, stop having him tread war. If you're going to use him, fucking use him, which will also become a theme um, of this about, like, just go for it, perhaps, with, with some of these guys. And I think because Clark Connors was, like, the unknown quantity in this, and he was smaller, but the crowd likes him. They love Alistair Black, uh, Malachi Black, as well, and, and the entrance. So it felt like he was unique. He was just like the kind of different component into it as well. And I mean, I think, you know, given the situation, like he really elevated himself, like to be able to kind of, you know, working that kind of crowd 
in there with people who are all like recognizable faces have had like kind of quite long WWE, you know, have all had WWE runs in their sort of past where, and Clark Connors is like a, you know, he's only re- really out of the dojo, what sort of year, 18 months, like hasn't worked these, these kind of size of crowds as well. And then, and it, again, rather like Shota Umino, it sort of became the story of the, the match in its in its own way. However, like if we're gonna go in, where does it go after this? So like I went 3.75 on the match. I thought there was like a lot of lot of fun, a lot of like kind of really good spots, and everyone again was able to kind of get their stuff in. It's just where do we go afterwards now? We've got another title in the mix. It feels like is this gonna become a kind of work rate title? Because in which case, what the fuck is the TBS title? Is that the soap opera title? <laughs> you know. And then the the world title means more. Do you know what I mean? It's like where where do we yeah. go from here? TNT belt could and, have absolutely been that, couldn't it? Um, should we just merge? Yeah. Let's just do a merger as soon as possible. Just do merge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I thought maybe on the back of this, he might announce like a Craven Cottage show. Maybe Pax got the belt I, for a, a reason. Yeah. There could be something to that. He's um, a Brit to have with the belt, and he's like the best of what they have. I, I think but I, the one thing I would say as well with Clark Connors is like. I don't know. I feel, it feels like it's it's a bit like, and this is a weird analogy, but you know when you watch like a film like uh, I don't know, Kiddletoed or uh, Attack the Block or a film like that where mm. you know when they'll cast like real kids as actors, and if yeah. no matter whether they're good, they're bad or terrible, the talking point is always, oh, you know, they cast real kids and how good were they? Like it's almost like a thing you've got to say. Like there's no situation where everyone anyone watches one of the films and go, they were terrible, you know, they couldn't act. Like <laughs> and it's like we call Connors. He got over, so you know, there's job done on the night. Felt like it was a bit of like he was over for ironic reasons rather than real reasons. I'm with you. Like, what's the what happens after this with him? Like, I don't, I don't know if this will ever be capitalized on him. Or I'll to be honest, like I can't imagine seeing Clark Connors ever again in AEW or anytime soon at AEW or even you know in a major position in in New Japan. I don't know. I just think it's it, that shit people say. You know, he, he was because he was the young lad in the match because the crowd kind of chose him as a favorite that he was like some kind of it was some kind of star making performance. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think he was just he was a body in a match. Um, I, don't know, I feel, I feel like probably... I pumped the brakes on the uh, expectation um, for him. Realistically, his position is a slightly more prominent position in the New Japan Juniors. That's like really the best case scenario, given given the size, given how he works as well. He offers like a, I think like a kind of new and interesting dynamic. And I've seen loads of his matches at this point. So sat through so many of his matches as a as a young lion, potential? like New Japan strong. I mean, if his potential his is very is quite high certainly from like sort of becoming as an in-ring performer he's still in the way of kind of finding himself so like he, that's why he has that kind of renegade you know lorenzo lama style look that he has going for him with, with the wild rhino and the hair i personally i think he's one of the people that you'd want to have as one of your pillars of the junior division post hiromu post despi which is what they should be doing now and he'd be the guy from the LA Dojo to bring across. And I think he'd be the kind of person you'd see him making his name in Japan. Like there's always like, obviously like a certain, you might imagine there's more of a a size limitation for him would probably rule out, say like a WWE interest and whatnot. But I've always enjoyed his work. It's just that 
quite often when he's in in there with kind of people you think of as like kind of big stars. And this is like the first time. And he didn't get overawed. Like that's a really like important thing. You've got people not of no, not at all as well. But realistically, where the new Japan go with him, they're not going to be putting like putting him in a world title scene or anything else. It's what you're hoping for at best is for them to go, okay, this is someone who like there is value in them. The work is up to the required level and extended stay in Japan and like kind of build them as like their proper, you know, their, their foreign um, baby face junior. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what uh, what comes mm-hmm. uh, next with them. But yeah, you know, I give the lad credit. You know, as much as you know, I'm maybe a little bit cooler on his uh, potential just based on you know it is just based on that match pretty much. Um, I, you know, he got over, and you know that's the and he didn't you know look out of place with the other three in there. So that's probably as much as you can expect. We all would have preferred Ishii in the match. We all probably would have preferred you know somebody as a as a name as a as a substitute, but. You know, he uh, you know he's the one people are talking about. So right or wrongly, it's uh, mm. it has uh, definitely uh, worked out for him and up the stock um, even a little bit. But moving on from there, talking uh, the word fun, um, which is the the, the words of this uh, this podcast. JP, mm. we went to uh, next the uh, the match of uh, the Young Bucks and, and El Fantasma against the dudes with attitudes of Sting, Darby, and Shingo. Still a fucking uh, weird sentence. And this is the one where yeah, we were talking about in the preview. It's kind of like, eh, rather see Shingo in a singles, rather see Hiromo versus Darby when it looked like it was going to be an eight-man, rather see Darby versus Shingo, rather see the Young Bucks versus Shingo and Hiromo. But with all that said, you know, what did we say? It'll, you know, you throw Sting in there, you throw this wacky group of lads in there, it's probably going to be a lot of fun. It's probably, if not going to steal the show, going to be one of the most memorable matches on the show. And it was exactly that. It really was. It was just, it was just exactly what you wanted from the all of these characters, kind of mixing together from the top with, you know, Sting hitting that dive off the stage where fuck me did it like that looked. Darby's talking him into this stuff. At some point, Sting's gonna get hurt, but fuck me, is it cool to watch the fact that the fact that he's even up to it? You know, at his age, the man's in his sixties. Sixty-two. Sixty-two, and he's willing to willing to do this. I mean, Scott Norton's. I'll like, check that. That, that. I think so. I think he's sixty-four. Is he not? Um, I saw Scott Norton had a birthday this week, and he was the same age. And good lord, does he did he not look as uh, as good as Sting on that New Japan uh, Strong show we saw uh, recently? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Difference. Fucking honest to god, like he was great. All of the interactions between everyone in here was just, just, just a complete laugh. It was just. Yeah, it was exactly what we thought it would be. Young Bucks and El Fantasma had, you know, good chemistry as far as being, you know, yeah. dickhead heels, you know, doing that daft back rig spot that, you know, it does get a little bit of a, a chuckle out of me. Young Bucks, you know, their reintroduction to Bullet Club, you might have expected to be with mm-hmm. a, in a more heavy duty situation, but they were hamming it up, even wearing, wearing the, uh, the old jackets. But yeah, loads of memorable moments in this, just highly entertaining from start to finish. And yeah, it was just, you know, Shingo was there too. <laughs> so it's the, the only point I'd make all out. It was cool to see him in uh, him and Sting exchanging a, an LIJ yeah. fist bump. So, you know, um, again, not the idealistic use of Shingo, but just the idea of him and Sting being a team was uh, was almost worth the price of a mission here. I think as well with this, this, this is the... It's the Sting show. That was that the whole time I was watching this. I, I'm kind of I grew with the idea of the recent Shingo run in New Japan and how he was on this show. There's very much saving him for the G1. There must be a lot of wear and tear and a lot of the kind of big main events that he ends up doing. And let's face it, 
he'll be doing a lot of main event spots during this um, G1 run as well. So he'll be doing plenty of work. This Sting run has had absolutely no right to be as good as it was. If I told you we were going to get a Sting run in AEW, now how long has he been there? So it's it's over a year, isn't it? It's Christ. It's like two years now, I think. Nearly two years. Fucking hell. And he hasn't taken the pin from anyone. Like you'd think we'd be going batshit, wouldn't we, about this and think, well, this is just like TNA again. But the tone of this run is so much fun. Like, and I predict he'll only lose to one person, and that'll be in Derby Allen, and that'll be his retirement match. And that'll be it. And he'll go off into the sunset. And we'll talk about this run as like one of the great kind of elder wrestler swan song runs that had no right considering the idea of him wrestling and he's doing Christ. He only did that dive through a load of tables on Andrade like the <laughs> other month. There's no way he should be doing this stuff. And you're right. There was distance he was traveling to as well. But yeah, if you know, we're, we're, we're a podcast synonymous with fun and wrestling fun in particular, aren't we? That's oh, we always hate well, <laughs> that here, U- USP. Um, like this was the textbook definition of it as well. I mean, even stuff like, you know, him doing a nipple twist on ELP and the rest of it, no selling ELP. He forgot that I mean, spot though, didn't he? Like he got, he, he, he went, he went to the, he, I think he, it was, this was after, cause Dara mentions in the chat, like a memorable spot was, you know, when he knows all the, uh, the double super kick and, you know, close yeah. like, the box. I think he was supposed to do something with LP. So LP did like the slow turner on like, Oh no, Sting's going to be there. And Sting had got off. He got out the other side of the ring. He'd forgot the spot was coming. So he rolled back in and then did it with, you know, whatever he's thinking, he can get away with it. He's a, he's a living legend. And, yeah, he's doing, you know, bumps that he probably shouldn't be doing in his age, but okay, he's up for it Shouldn't and he's be, he's enjoying it and it's yeah, it is a it's an all time of a run. It's just so just so great to see. Um absolutely love him. Simon says here. Fun dad sting, that's exactly uh, what he is yeah. in uh, in this role and it's uh, it's ever he should be absolutely Um but yeah, moving on from uh yeah, from, from it has there. been. It's been it's pitch perfect. Oh, last year. <laughs> yeah, moving on from there, uh, Thunder Rosa and, uh, and Tony Storm um, came up next, uh, the AEW women's title. Um, yeah, this was a match that definitely felt like it was a bit out, out of the blue. I know Tony Storm said in interviews that, yeah. you know, the ideal would have been, you know, something with uh, with stardom. Tony Khan said in the in the post-show uh, presser that they, they did look into that, but there were visa reasons, and I think the, the people they wanted sounded like they were uh, booked up for, uh, for other stuff. So we ended up with this, and it did feel a little bit out of place. It felt mm-hmm. a little bit like that match where, and I kind of experienced it when I was at, AW shows live over the last uh, while, you know, in in Vegas and LA, that like it did feel like almost like a holdover from the Attitude Era. That anytime the women hit the ring, the concession stands filled up, and this felt like it happened again. I was kind of a uh, noticing in that more now, even uh, you know the year that we're in. That's still uh, that's still maybe the attitudes, maybe the uh, the fact that it was again, you know, not really a proper New Japan versus AW match. Maybe it was a match that should have been elsewhere uh, added to that. So probably the coolest the uh, the crowd had been up to this point. I just thought it was a, yeah, pretty well done professional wrestling match. Thunder Rosa went over. Not much more to say. Three-star special. It was, uh, you know, we, uh, you see a lot of that from uh, from Tony Storm, but, you know, I expected maybe a little bit more in the, in the spot considering uh, how good I thought she's looked on, uh, on TV for the, uh, the last while. Well, you see, this match didn't have spectacle compared to the other ones. It felt like a run-of-the-mill AEW match. 
and the others at least had had the interactions. They'd been booked in a way we were being given lots of kind of big moments and, and everything else. And this just didn't have it. And I think as a result, it became very much the cool-down match. Now, I went 3.25 because I actually thought I quite liked some of the work between them as well. The kind of bit of the issue was it felt quite definitive at the end, like in terms of um, Thunder Rosa winning. And I know we were we were very much saying like Thunder Rosa will win. And I suspect part of the reason for this is that Tony Storm might be going to stardom. I don't know if she'll be doing the five-star Grand Prix. I don't know if they've announced who's who's going to be in that, or certainly at some point she'll be doing some kind of tour. Maybe I, could have told I that imagine. story, though, do you not think? Could have, like, start, you know, made I, that part of the gimmick here that actually she's representing stardom. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think that's where we get into the, the complicated politics of it, but we don't know really what were the politics between stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro. Is there going to be that kind of offence taken to it as well? You know what it's like. It, you know these are sort of quite arcane relationships. Ask about the CMLL one proves all of that and the, the kind of nonsense that that is as well. But yeah, it it felt like I don't know. It just sort of it felt like a match that was very much kind of like lost in the shuffle for it. But I didn't think it was bad. It didn't like stink up the place or anything else. It was it was fine, but it was just noticeably a lot cooler. And I just think because it didn't. It wasn't something that kind of felt part of the show and the the tempo and the mood of the show. It wasn't the kind of match that the crowd are going to be thinking this will be really great fun. Do you know what I mean? I think they like for that for this crowd, it didn't really have that. A bit out of place, I would uh, I would definitely say with that one. And yeah, what did you give it as a uh, as a grapple rating? Three point two five. The averages are trending at three point two seven. So yeah, pretty much. Uh, Dead on mm-hmm. there, but moving into uh, the business. Uh... Oh, cool. You didn't mention one thing. Oh. They're going back to Arthur Ashe. Oh, that was, was that here? With that, with that that I'm already looking at Yeah, flight, just mate. before this match. <laughs> hey, yeah, I was going to say, I, I take it neither of us are going to this one. I'll <laughs> be back in work at that point. Oh, time. no, I'm, uh, I've already looked. I think I'll be doing it. Um, you know, some, uh, some little deals hey. you can get me. You're willing to fly by in Norway. You can get to New York for about 300 quid. So I'm already looking at the uh, thing. I sell my old phone for 100 quid. You know, get do some overtime and work. I could uh, get me £150 back from the uh, the government for my uh, electricity bill. I could, uh, <laughs> I could possibly make it for this one. I was hoping to actually do it in combination with um with all else but i don't think that's gonna be possible that's way too uh too early in the month um yeah, yeah but yeah i think uh yeah definitely uh, definitely something i want to do when i get back to uh to new york so uh yeah, hoping to uh hoping Built. to make the trip out built to an eddie kingston title match <laughs> that'd be the story i'd be doing going into that one do uh do will's article but with the uh yeah proper title maybe that's uh maybe that's where we're going yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we went on from uh, from there into uh, Orange Cassidy and Will Osprey, and the uh, the business uh, ends of the card here. Um, you know, I think Osprey Orange Cassidy was definitely uh, they don't feel like a, a touch point match as uh, as far as much as any, and this felt the, the match that was uh, maybe the most uh, I don't know divisive on this card for uh, a lot of us who were uh, trying to determine whether we were uh, looking forward to this or not. Um, I would say that like. For me, I wanted to. Sorry, I've got the. Uh, my phone's going there. Let me just turn that off. Is I'm that Orange Cassidy uh, calling you there to just uh, <laughs> go? Be fucking careful what you say. It, it might be somebody who's uh, currently in Chicago. Um, I will get that for a minute. Um, yes, Orange Cassidy. Will You're on the air. She was there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll just say on air. There we go. Uh, Orange Cassidy. I should have got her. I should have patched her in. Maybe she could give us the. Uh, 
you know, the live review here. Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay, anyway. Um, I'll ring back in a minute. It, it was, you know, the match that I think a lot of us, you know, if you were looking at a dream match, would I book Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy? No. You know, I think that we're, as we laid out on Spotlight and on the preview show, realistically 15 more options on the a- on the AW roster that mm-hmm. I'd rather put in there with, with Will Ospreay. I, at the same time, you know, I'm kind of done with the Orange Cassidy gimmick. It's just, it's not like I hate it. I'm not like Jim Cornette or it's exposing the business or whatever. I just kind of, you know, oh yeah, okay, he's lazy. Or as the commentary was put in here, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a head fuck. It's a mind game he's trying to do with his opponents here with the slow kicking and stuff. However you want to explain it, I'm just bored of it, you know, and this match was nothing different than what I thought because I knew once we got past that five minutes of, of doing the Orange Cassidy nonsense, we were going to get 15 minutes of a sprint of the fire that Orange Cassidy has, you know, as Fire Ant. He was one of my favorite baby faces on the Indies at, a, at one point because literally it was in the name. He had that baby face fire. You know, he's got that level in him. We know it from the Pac match. So it wasn't a surprise that they went out there and uh, and killed it. It was just, you know, I mean, it's Will Ospreay in a, in a, in a focus match. You could probably put him up against anybody in the AEW roster and you're probably getting a, at least a three and a half to 3.75 star match. But, you know, Orange Cassidy is no slouch and this was a, I'd probably go 4.25 star matches. Again, not a, not a shock really. You know, I would have preferred to see Ospreay with somebody where I might have gone four and a half or five stars. Maybe. Um, would have preferred him in, you know, mm. a, Kenny Omega's been doing press this last week or so where he's been putting over the uh, you know, the idea of, uh, of kind of basically been burying Will Ospreay, but he's been putting over Jay White and using it as a way to uh, to stick the, the oar in with Ospreay. That's a match that they're clearly building to uh, down the line, I, I think, mm-hmm. at, at some point. You know? Obviously, it wasn't available here. That's more the, the level of uh, match I think uh, Osprey should be in, in at this point. But did it deliver? Was it very good? Yes. And I think the uh, the grapple rating there says everything on this one because it's uh, yeah sitting there uh, trending more towards like four and a half stars and uh, at this point this one it's doing uh particularly particularly well on the uh, on the app four point uh four point three eight um on the app and i don't know where where do you land jp mm. well i mean that puts it in very much match of the night territory for it um i went 4.25 as well and i think towards the end this was like really cracking it was almost this for me was like okay this is the best kind of match that you're going to be able to get with um with with Orange Cassidy, that's as like almost as, as this is as good as we're going to get. I don't know if it was just me. Is is he dropped a lot of muscle since the last time he was there as well? I mean, I, I maybe maybe it might just be me, but he looked like uh, it felt like before he was he was away. Um, that was the case, and like a lot of things you've said as well, where this is like another match that kind of over delivered. I think Osprey was just determined to go out. And go right now. I'm gonna have like a match that's gonna really get over with this crowd. He's just gonna go out there and do it, and he did um, as well. And you know, a lot of his shtick, which you know, stuff that you know we we kind of not don't really enjoy as much uh, within the UK. It it gets over here um, as well. Um, like I say, I think there was some like sort of like really sort of lovely counters as well at, at various points and when orange cassidy shows those bits where he can do some wrestling as well and i got like surprisingly into this i didn't expect to um and i went yeah i went 4.25 
even the stuff with after the match. I mean, we worked out where Rosy Open were being on the card. Who I have to say, if there's if there's other people who are big winners of this, it's like this unheralded new Japan talent of which we're talking about: Clark Connors, Shota Umino, and Aussie Open, who haven't wrestled like really in New Japan proper, unless we're talking about they had the show at the Copper Box. I don't know if you remember they had a mat- tag match against the Gorillas of Destiny. So, um, you know, they 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 had that in there as well. But yeah, I thought this was uh, a hell of a lot, um, a hell of a lot of fun. Did it's you believe Arnold was ever going to win? No, that's the problem. And it's building to a weird dynamic of like kind of Osprey and Juice Robinson where you're kind of, well, who's the baby face meant to be? Because it just feels more like kind of inter, like kind of stable warfare. That is an issue. I think on this type of a card where you're looking at unique interactions, you can kind of, say, all right, I don't necessarily... Like, in the main event, I didn't believe Tanahashi was was going to beat John Moxley. It's still, at times, you can get past that and not, like, be as bothered. But it's the kind of thing that's going to take it out of the kind of high-end range, like your 4.5 and, and 4.75, because you haven't got the element of doubt. But considering what I was expecting from this match, it I was much more into it than I expected to be. I, I say I was about the level I expected to be. Didn't expect it to be bad. Mm. Expected it to be about this good. Expected Osprey to, you know, work well with the the Orange Cassidy shtick. You know, Will's kind of saying that in the in the in the in the uh, chat here that it wasn't much of a clash of styles because Osprey's kind of always game for for that kind of stuff. Can't hugely um, disagree with that. Mm. I think, like I say, the only thing was I don't think Osprey and Cassidy are in my mind on in, in equal points in, in the roster for for either company. Although you know, clearly Tony Khan sees uh, Orange Cassidy as uh, as near that level rather than as maybe mm-hmm. you know, the, the the lower card comedy act that maybe I peg him as in uh, in my brain. Uh, it's a tough one because it's like you know I don't doesn't turn into a, you know a, a thing on on the on the character like because I think. It's over. It draws ratings. You know, Orange Cassidy kind of has to do this role now. But I think inherently there are limits to what you can do with it. You know, it, it is for all intents and purposes a, a kind of a light-hearted relief character, and you can get these moments of uh, of shine where you know it, it kind of it's hard to do this character consistently. I have him constantly. You know, okay, but on this match he's not going to be lazy. Guy on this match he's actually going to you know bring it. Um, you can only do that so many times a year, I think, and that's the you know the negative of of a character that is you know so over because it's you know it is what it is. It's a it's a meme that got over on the indies and you know worked uh, ended up working surprisingly well on on TV with the uh, the key demos that uh, that AEW has. So yeah, um, you know worked well, and I would say the the, the thing that it really worked for it. Yeah, you mentioned there the. Uh, the post match in that yeah we got a, a surprise appearance of a uh, Akatsuhiro Shibata um kind of wasn't I was expecting somebody to make the save uh, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of going through my brain okay who from Yana. the best friends isn't around is yeah yeah Yana was in the country yeah maybe it would have been uh, been him maybe that was Plan A and then they were like oh you know we'll get a better pop Shibata I mean he's got fuck all to do with with Osprey or you know United Empire or the best friends or any of the shit going on but. They made for a nice moment, fun interaction between him and an Orange Cassidy, and about you know everybody in that crowd is gonna remember where they were when you know that music hit and they got that uh, that really cool moment. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's really what this was. And if you think about it, like all of the kind of the matches that had worked up to this point had had kind of like these kind of big moments happening within them. If we're thinking about the um, 
like the sting dive for example or you know thinking back to the to the kind of the big sort of table spot with with clark connors and you know we we'd had some like kind of really sort of big notable stuff and this was like the first time when it was it was I mean, this crowd did two very big pops within quick succession of each other, but this was one of the ones where it was kind of unexpected. And the fact that Shibata is clearly like he's going to be, he's coming back like kind of proper. I'm, I'm of the opinion the reason why he's in the US is there's going to be more scope for medical treatments that he's going to be able to get that will helpfully get him back to the ring. I don't know, things like stem cell research and the like. And I think that's why he's in the States. I think that's it kind of, it, it kills two I, birds with one stone. And I expect, if you'd said to me, he'd be in a pose down with Orange Cassidy, I'd be all prepared to hate it and shit on it. The crowd, like, again, because the crowd were kind of into it and because it isn't the kind of stuff you see all of the time, it kind of worked. If he'd done the thumbs up, that would have been an issue. But him just sort of stood there. I wish the he had, to be on. honest. I was missing that moment, I thought. It was kind of yeah. awkward when they, they tried to cut to a video package for the next match and it was like, he got Orange Cassidy back in the ring. I felt like that's what it needed. You know, that nice little yeah. that photo op uh, of the two doing the thumbs up. Uh, uh, he was having a good time, so whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, well, um, went from there into uh, the next uh, big match of the night uh, and they wasted no time. The Send Zach out there, and then didn't even wasn't even it wasn't like Brian came out and uh, made the big introduction, or they let it you know sit for a few seconds. Just some really shite music hit. <laughs> the crowd went mental because I think they worked it out immediately. I don't know whether it was there was a big screen that uh, I think there was that. Said, it was a big uh, Swiss flag, I think. Like yeah. the cross, the white cross was on the kind of frustrating the screen, that production went showing. We it. couldn't see. Yeah, you know, because the crowd were going mental, so they knew. So like you know. Clue the rest of us in, although we all we all really knew, and uh, and yeah, out walked uh, Claudio uh, Castagnoli. Um, you know, it was uh, one of them, probably predictable, but predictable is good here. I think he was the only mm-hmm. acceptable um, answer to who the uh, the Brian replacement was, especially when you know they told that story of it being a a Brian choice, and apparently. Uh, Tony Khan was saying in this in the scrum, it was a uh, legitimate Brian choice in real life, and Brian wasn't aware that uh, apparently Claudio signed to uh, to, to AW or agreed to sign in early June. Um, and there was Tony was saying some talk of maybe using him in the uh, the newfangled ROH before this opportunity came up. So a uh, bit of a bit of a uncharacteristic patience from Tony there, waiting a month before. Uh, Using a guy, uh, I think, uh, didn't quite fit in with, you know, I know Garrett said this before, you know, sign some guys and put them on ice for six months and not everyone needs to uh, their debut at once. But, you know, uh, wait of the month before uh, bringing him in and can't argue with it. He got an absolutely huge response. He looked made up to be out there, you know, yeah. and went out there with Zach and adds what, you know, is it a AW versus New Japan dream match? Maybe not really, but was it a a dream match for a lot of wrestling fans absolutely and yeah i thought they uh they delivered a, a very good match it wasn't you know one of my uh my favorites uh of the night but it was very good it was cool to see claudio kind of work off uh 
I don't know if the ring rust is the word. I felt like he was selling. Like, mm. he spent a lot of the match kind of heavy breathing and, you know, acting like he was blown up. But I don't think he was. I think it was uh, definitely part of the work and he was selling um, Zack Sabre's uh, offense, uh, if anything. Um, but, yeah, lots of silky smooth interactions in there. Lots of cool spots where we got to see the uh, the power of... Uh, mm. of, uh, of I keep wanting to say Claud- uh, Cesaro. Claudio uh, should get back to uh, to mid. Uh, needs to bring back the... Uh, needs to steal that theme back off... Uh, of uh, of Tyler Bate, uh, we need to uh, need to go back to uh, to proper uh, Claudio um, ROH uh, coming out with a with a million dollar man style jacket Claudio. Maybe that's what uh, what we need to uh, to stick this back in my memory. But a lot of like I felt like there were a lot of throwback spots in this, including the uh, what does he call that power bomb? Um, oh, someone will tell me in the uh, in the chat in a minute. I'm a bad uh, bad mid two thousands indie fan for forgetting the name of it. But that, that where um, he puts the arm the arm trap. Yeah, I can't think of the yeah. Cool to see him, you know, bust that out as uh, as his as his AEW finisher, uh, presumably, and it felt like the the right result too. You know, Zach was, uh, you know, you can't really argue. You know, Claudio is going to be going into uh, into blood and guts on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, uh, Ricola, Ricola, Ricola bomb, Ricola bomb. So we got that, um, but yeah, Zach's, you know. Can't really argue. I think you have to put Claudio over here with the uh, blood and guts on Wednesday, and it's the big debut. And you know, Zach and Brian will happen at a later mm-hmm. day, and we'll all forget that he lost to Claudio. So I think it was a, a good bit of good bit of business all around. Whether uh, Claudio is the uh, the cat the the dog that was uh, bought for Christmas uh, or not, as the uh, analogy we put on the weekend show, whether he'll go in that big box of uh, Tony's toys and uh, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> be forgotten about after you know we'll probably we'll get a month of a uh, focus, and then you know we're is he in the in the grand scheme of things in a, in two months might be the question but I don't know maybe he's in safer hands than some of the recent debuts given he's in Blackpool Combat Club and there's you know the always, there's always the multi-mans you can do with those lads and he'll probably get you know ample screen time uh, from that yeah yeah I mean I think I, I went four stars on this I thought this was like I thought it was very good I was like the level of response that he got was was great. He felt like a big deal. I immediately thought if he's coming across this way within the building in the night, like kind of go with this and start putting him up there as being like somebody who's on the level of a Moxley and a Danielson. Like just do that. Like the that that then becomes the perception of who he is. Um and I really enjoyed it. I think one of the things I just sort of felt slightly like I suppose in a way is it didn't it felt more like this was the the showcase for Claudio. I'm going to say Cesaro loads of times as well. And and so as a result, Zach is kind of overshadowed in some ways um, between them. However, um, I thought this is the kind of match I think we're going to see in New Japan. Because I think if there is a place for him where he could really work and get over, just thinking of how he carries himself, how he wrestles, the look, and everything else, it does feel like New Japan would be like a, a a place for him to go to, and if he can have like a sort of return match against Zach in there as well. And like I said, I don't think this hurts like Zach Saber Junior at all for it as well. But it was it was almost um, like it, it really it was it was the Claudia it was the Claudio showcase, but it was the situation they were left in what were they going to do once Danielson had kind of gone out? And this is, this is almost as given, given the kind of Cesaro, uh, the Cesaro, given the situation that they were in, Freudian slips happening all over the place here, mate. This was as good as they were going to get. And, you know, I like you, I, you know, and Simon mentioned in the chat, I don't believe that Claudio 
can get blown up. I just don't think he can do. He's he's not. He's just got cardio for years. That guy. And, it fucking looks incredible, though. He's still. He's, yeah. he's dropped a little bit of weight, but might not necessarily, yeah. uh, you know, be a negative too. Um, but yeah, I just want to. I don't know. I thought the music was fucking awful, and I would like Tony Khan to spend that money on Sledgehammer. Come on, let's uh, let's retcon that from Tyler Bates. It was always Claudio's. That'll story. cost a lot, mate. Sledgehammer. <laughs> he's got it. He can afford it. Come on. Uh, I want it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it, it worked and it was a yeah great moment for the people there live and uh, like I said I, I'm mm-hmm. surprised I'm quite low on it I went I mean I really liked it I went 3.75 the uh, the Beno special but yeah grapple average at 4.15 trending closer to you know a four mm-hmm. and a quarter star and um, where did you go with it I went four stars fair enough mm-hmm. yeah which if you told me at the start of the night because there wasn't a, ultimately there wasn't the kind of stakes and. That's yeah, the thing exhibition. that creates a little bit more of drama that's going to make you more emotionally invested. But I still want to see more of these two. I still, you know, it's just if they are bringing him in, then fuck it, go shit or bust. Just try and push him, like, big time. Do that. Like I say, just put him on the level rather than having him fuck about for months at a time, not knowing what to I, do. I don't hate him in ROH. You know, that was another thing that got announced um, no, in the press cool. scrum. They got a death by the the sauna pay-per-view coming up in uh, in July and like I say Claudio's name was thrown around as possibly being an ROH guy that might be you know might be a nice uh, nice spot yeah. for it might freshen up that, uh, that, that little uh, mini roster they've got uh, over on that side um, I guess if they've say. got like a some sort of deal distribution deal set up for it and you're wanting to have kind of like other more familiar faces to have in there but also the idea is they're going to get to work a lot with younger talent I mean he is kind of prime for that because let's face it how long is joe gonna be able to kind of wrestle at that level whereas like claudio looks like he's fine to go out there and effectively just start getting himself back in the groove but there's there's loads of it we've said this before and i I kind of almost refuse to get too excited about any AEW signings at this point because we've we've kind of seen everyone who can turn up there Mm. that they kind of can do do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. who else is there really at this point? To stay. But you get Punk out of retirement and fucking Danielson. Oh, don't, you know, don't you start. Kinda... Yeah, they're going to run out of pops this course. But no, I know what you mean. Like, there is a, you know, it's 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 almost sustaining them at this point. It's like, you know, it's the big exciting debut and then there's another big exciting debut and it, yeah. we're all whipped up into this constant frenzies excitement that will run out at, at some point, you know, as far as guys you can legitimately uh, bring in. Um, yeah, past them, it's Gargano, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> then you're scraping the barrel with Bray Wyatt, I think, at, uh, at some point. But yeah, that's. I guess we'll uh, we'll see, but yeah, moving on from there into our uh, semi-main event, um, the four-way: Jay White, uh, Adam Cole, uh, Hangman Page, and uh, Okada. Firstly, the positive, I would say, Okada came across as the biggest wrestling star in the entire world. Yeah. Um, again, not to beat you know beat a dead horse, should have been in a singles match. I don't think there's an excuse not to. I think if you're worried about Hangman taking taking a loss, I think. Hangman maybe needed to just take a loss. Um, <laughs> I just think you could have told the story with that. You know, not, not turning into full road dog, wins and losses don't matter, it's the story you tell. But you can tell a story that would uh, would make that work. At the end of the day, you got the biggest wrestling star in the world and possibly the best wrestler in the world, you know, willing to come in for this show. You want to put him in a, in a prime position. I didn't really like this match. I think... The people there uh, live, I think the live reports you're getting, uh, you know, were very much wrapped up in the the. Getting to see Okada live, we've all been there, you know. We, we're lucky enough to have seen him in the uh, in the UK multiple times, and it's it's super cool to see. Um, you know, 
maybe it's the fact that it's a four-way. I just don't enjoy the tropes of a four-way. You know, oh, they saved it last minute. Oh, hey, oh is, is it the finish? No way, it comes out and call out of nowhere. We, I mean, we'd already seen that in the, in the previous four-way earlier on in the night. It's not helped by the fact that the finish went to absolute shit because it looks like, uh, based on a report, and at this point, Adam Cole had a concussion, which is why the finish was basically Jay White gingerly rolling him over and just pinning him. And literally, Jim Ross was on commentary saying it was uh, it was anticlimactic, um, you know, um, whatever. But I don't even think it was just that. I just don't think it was that exciting a match, and I don't think Akada seemed up for it, it being a four-way. I don't know. I'm mm. not saying he was... Dog in it, but I think you'd have gotten a bigger, big match card uh, performance elsewhere. Maybe with an extra five minutes of near falls, I might not be making that point. You know, that is the point often made about a, a card matches those big near fall sequences and the Jay White, you know, formula, the big, uh, the big reversals. Maybe they were to come and maybe that takes this match up a notch. But I don't know. I thought this card was pretty much perfect right up to this point. You know, a lot of. You know, whether we agree or not on the star rating, basically matches that were three and a half stars above, you know, across the board. You know, a lot of people have mm. got pretty much everything on this show above four stars up to, to this point, and that's an, an incredible run. Controversial take, but I think the thing that let this card down a little bit um, from me agreeing with the takes out there that it was an, an all-timer card was, you know, that this and the... Uh, I'll, I'll get into the main events as well, but primarily this mm. is... I think this was the moment in the cards where you wanted to big deal singles matches you know four and a half star you know match of the year contender levels is that is that too much to ask i don't know maybe it is maybe i'm uh, no. asking too no maybe no that's a, that is a big ask but you know you got the two best wrestling companies in the world with the best wrestlers in the world and the, the possibility to do that um and instead we got this and yeah it just felt a little bit uh, underwhelming considering what came before it but feel free to tell me why i'm wrong no, not really. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of agree with you because I thought there was a point in the match was kind of encapsulated. We'd had the the introductions, the crowd. I was loving how much the crowd were into a carder. Then there was a point where Jay White dives out of the ring, Adam Cole dives out of the ring, and we're getting ready to build to a lockup between a carder and Hangman. And I'm there thinking, I'd much sooner be seeing that this just these two having an exhibition match because I think it would be the kind of thing that you know would be. The idea in some way of Hangman Page shooting for what is generally regarded as one of the best pro wrestlers, certainly of the of recent years, like and and one of you know, someone who is comes across as an absolute star. And then it was kind of ruined by having Jay White and Adam Cole put them out of the ring before they could have that kind of interaction. And that's where I kind of found myself slightly zoning out. Now I didn't think it was it was it was bad per se. I mean, in terms of rating, I've gone three and a half, but I was erring around 3.25, if I'm going to be be honest with you, because I think there was stuff about the ending that did kind of take me out of it. And then obviously no seeing afterwards. The, I don't think yeah, anyone yeah, would say, myself included, it was bad, because I'm the same as you. Three and a half stars is not a bad match. Yeah. But for a main event on an AW versus New Japan yes. show with this level and, of guys in it, it's yeah. disappointing. It is. And this is where we got into the kind of upper like the issues that we had around the booking and, and the storytelling at to this point, because it's almost like a lot of the other stuff up to that, up to there was very much part of the undercard and we were fine with it. And it was over delivering as an undercard and being fun because shows are meant to have ebb and flow and, and sort of high points and low and, you know, peaks and troughs and the rest of it, because you're kind of managing people's emotions across it. It's just that 
this isn't going to be a match that anyone really speaks of as an as a as a sort of IWGP title match. What in a week's time? Like really, it it's a match. It's a match that happened. But I also thought as well, you put a carder into four ways and the rest of it. They're not doing fucking four ways like when they're in the dojo and the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like this is the kind of stuff he wasn't even doing it in TNA because TNA weren't even using him properly. I believe so it's not like he's got like. I believe these, by the way, were the third and fourth four way matches in AW's history. I mean. That tells you something, doesn't it? You know that, that something yeah. went wrong in the uh, in the build to this. Um, yeah, it's funny because yeah, it's second like, one on this card, mm. and, that's, and they had a lot to live up to with the incredible card that came before it. It's no yeah. slight to say, you know, they maybe didn't slightly live up to it, and maybe that makes it not one of the great wrestling cards of all time. It makes it a pretty fucking great wrestling card, though. You know, and a wrestling yeah. card that you know will be up there when it comes to the uh, year end awards and uh, and such like, but. Yeah, I think this uh, this was probably my, my biggest bugbear really. This match here and there, and this point in the uh, in the show. But you know, again, you know, I think the the thing they had going against them, which was the case of this show, it is the Adam Cole mm-hmm. injury. I mean, maybe it's easy to say now, but should he've even been out there? You know, I don't really care about wrestler safety. I'm not that guy. But I feel like we had news reports three weeks ago that he was going to be out for a while and was injured and. You're seeing like cryptic tweets from Britt Baker and the Young Bucks and people like that talking about yeah. you know what he gave you know what he gave up to to do this match and what a sacrifice he made. It just it all adds up to maybe he shouldn't have been in there in the first place. Then to me, rather yeah. than a, a heroic thing, I don't know. But uh, but I'll, I'll be interested to know what the the, the story is there. How, you know how hurt he was coming in, and, and I suppose a concussion something you can't help if if that's what it uh, ended up being. But uh, I, I'm not sure he looked himself anyway, and for the majority of the match. And it's the story, isn't it, about those that always been hinted that there's a lot more people who are injured who need to kind of um who, who need to take a break. To which I say, do you know what? You've got depth in your roster. Like like do you know what? It'd be like Man City complaining about injuries. It's just like fuck off. <laughs> You've got loads of money. I'm not accepting the excuse that we haven't got enough players on the bench. Bullshit. Your youth team players cost fucking more than like the some components of like a that Nottingham Forest team. So when you've got the roster depth that they have, like I kind of think that there is a point they don't need to needlessly sort of like use people for the sake of it as well. But I wouldn't be disappointed if I had a little break from Adam Cole, which yeah. I know that he's he's over and everything else, which then I always come back to what the guy just needs to be a baby face. That's how people want to react to him. It's how his act is kind of presented and everything else. He's not a baby face for me, but that's clearly what, like, kind of what he is as well. And then when you throw elite bullet club bullshit into the mix that I don't care about, I think that's where I kind of go, ah, I'm not, not necessarily that, that bothered of it. He's in that Tony Khan group of, like I always mentioned, uh, your Trent, your Orange Cassidy's, your Adam Coles, the leader of that group of guys that Tony will shoehorn in no matter what. He loves yeah. him, loves the bloke, and maybe he's been a little bit overexposed this first year and, and, and lost a lot of big matches. Well, not even a lot of big matches, but he's lost the key big matches, but then conti- mm. you know continues to be put in you know this spot. This you know, Did anyone really believe him as an IWGP champion? Of course not. Um, you know, maybe he is. New Japan didn't really seem to care about I mean, I think the most problem he had probably in New Japan is when he was wrestling for like defending the Ring of Honor title 
on like the Tokyo yeah. Dome and or stuff with like Mike that. <laughs> that was kind of his little level, wasn't it? You know, um, yeah. I mean, that's a few years ago, though. You know, it, it just feels a little bit like if this was a game of EWR, Sophie being Mel, and you're going, you used Adam Cole too much on the last show. Uh, <laughs> I think that's Tony's getting those uh, those emails but, and they're, uh, they're being unread. If he is injured and he's been on a lot and he's been one of those people who've been kind of very much like, such a heavy part of the the TV they've done for a while. If there's a chance of giving them a break, this is where we get into wrestler off-season stuff, which should be happening anyway for like at least two months of the year for them. If not to preserve them, to keep them fresh and to give them like a holiday like normal people would be able to have at some okay. stage. Yeah, just some sort of break from fucking work rather than travelling around the country every week. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. So yeah, that was that, and then we went into the uh, the main event. Uh, some more matter of uh, John Moxley and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi to uh, to unify the uh, the AEW uh, title. Um, felt like you know it was what I expected. Really, I went four stars on it. Grapple average is four point oh nine, which is you know yeah. hardly in the in match of the year territory, but still a very good match. I think about the probably you know the level I would expect from you know Tanahashi at this point in his career in a. You know, in a Moxley match, again, to use that word that's been used a lot, fun was what this was always going to be, and it was, you know. The, yeah. There was the fun clash of stars of, you know, Moxley getting uh, getting bloodied up in this thing, and Tanahashi is, you know, one of the greatest God, minds in the history of wrestling. He loves to, you know, work in his opponent's style into, you know, his, his you know, version of uh, of wrestling storytelling, and that's what the, uh, they did here. I think it was... Maybe, you know, laughing a little bit by the fact that, I don't know, I saw a lot of people doing, you know, flip-flops and hula hoops and, you know, somersaults trying to figure out how, you know, potentially, well, Tanahashi could win because then he'd take the belt to G1 or whatever the justification people were saying. I mean, I don't, didn't even give it any consideration. Moxley was always winning. Um, and I think that maybe, you know, hit my personal uh, investment in the match. It didn't, you know, get past that four-star point for me, maybe. Partly because of that, partly, you know, I think that was just always the uh, the inbuilt uh, seed of the match. It was a it was a nice match that, as we said in the build up, would have been a great one uh, B main event to a to a one A following it. Uh, imagine if say mm-hmm. Carter Punk was about to follow this, or you know Brian O'Carda or something like that. You know, obviously, you know that's a, an alternate timeline that was never going to take uh, take place here. But I don't know. It wasn't quite the uh, the killer main event um, that would have put a real bow on this show. But a four star match is a uh, is a four star match, and there was uh, still uh, a lot to uh, to like here, JP. Yeah, I know. I would agree with you. This was what we expected it to be, which was Tanahashi was going to go out there and and do his absolute utmost to have a great match. So was Moxley as well. There's like you know they were going to do their best between them to to deliver on that, and I think hence that's how we ended up with as much blood from Moxley as what we did in terms of just being able to to kind of uh, uh, add that um, add that drama there as well. It, it was just that they were never going to put the belt on Tanahashi. I know we had WH on the show a couple of weeks ago um, and he was saying, you know, they should put the, there's no argument to put the belt on Tanahashi. Oh, was it WH? I was slagging Jeff. off there. I couldn't remember where I'd heard that point. <laughs> it was on this podcast, was it? Yeah. Oh, well. It was. <laughs> Sorry, WH. He said that. And, and I, but He's not the they, were never, they, were, they, they were never going to do it because mm. of the, just the situation of he's, you know, it's an AW title. They're going to put it on an AW guy. That's it. Even if Hiroshi Tanashi is not going to be the kind of person to take your belt and do a fucking Jeff Jarrett and just go, yeah, all right, yeah, that rematch's not happening. Bye bye. And then just leave. He's not going to do anything like that, is he? So, but like you say, I think if we, we, 
if you're thinking from like that kind of match quality perspective, the thing when I think of like the kind of a lot of the the great cards that I think about, and you know they've always had that pace, but they've they've had the kind of real killer in ring kind of big singles matches with lots of drama and stuff like that. That's really what the the double main events kind of lacked that level of match to kind of take it to that kind of next level for it. As a 1B, like you said before, I'd be absolutely fine with this. But it was it was kind of, it was never really going to be in doubt for this. However, the crowd loved the chance of getting to see Tanahashi. And, ta- and it, you know, think of how many times we're going to get to see Tanahashi in big main events. Pretty soon that will be something that won't be happening. And this feels like it'd be one of the last occasions other than when they're going to do the occasional kind of, there'll be the big G1 match he has over the next few years because, I mean, like, it's kind of a mini miracle he gets to this stage and is able to have kind of main event matches as well. And I'd also say about this, it wasn't too long. Like, you know, it wasn't, it was, uh, what was it, like under 20 minutes as a as a main, which, you know, I think that's like what large swathes of this card is in around that as well. You know, so it's not something at least, it didn't over overstate its um it's it overstates welcome this even it went straight to the angle afterwards well i want to say that because i've got a lot of negatives to say about that i want to say on the positive note i mean what what a breeze the show was to watch what a fucking yeah what a great time it was it it felt like it was a celebration of wrestling is what it felt like you know felt like everyone there was there to have a good time the wrestlers were there to put their best foot forward regardless of anything that came before it and it was just a just a, a great time watching wrestling, a great mm-hmm. variety show, you know, of wrestling. You got Sting doing crazy dives. You've got your you know your wear crate match in there in Zach and uh, and Claudio. You got all kinds of you know fun interactions between you know New Japan and uh, and AW guys. I suppose the you know you you can say you know although we painted as a negative in the build of the show, you've also left a lot on the table as far as uh, you know mm-hmm. big big individual singles matches you can do. I would hope you know next time they do a match, loads like on this, the table. You got a proper Shingo singles match, and you get you know Brian and Punk healthy, and you can you know maybe get Naito over. Card. Oh yeah, get Naito over. Where, where you know where was he? But yeah, as Darren said in the chat, it really did flow fly by. You know, I was I was up mm. live for it. Was it was light outside by the time this thing finished and. You know, I was almost ready for more. I think that's the the best thing you can uh, you can say about a show this long that you have you know that much fun from the the buying onwards to that. You know, again, I, while I don't agree with the people calling this one of the greatest wrestling shows of all time, I would call it one of the greatest undercards um, or one of the mm. most consistent undercards I've seen. With the you know maybe slight exception of uh, Tony Storm and uh, and Thunder Rosa, you know everything on this undercard there. Uh, absolutely delivered i just thought it was just a a great time watching it i don't know if that was uh the feeling you got early watching it today did you did you need to take any breaks well i did um i didn't need to at various points but there's just more logistical reasons of dinner and stuff like that and trying to do sort of like a few things at the same time but this is a show that i'm wanting <coughs> pardon me um this is a show i'm wanting to go back and see i didn't get that feeling with double or nothing in there i just i felt exhausted by the end of it and i still think all of the the criticisms of the build for this show are all very much still in place but i think the thing that this had and, and again you know to come back to it is had a, an amazing crowd that lifted this up and between the crowd and the wrestlers feeding off the crowd and wanting 
to kind of do more stuff and the crowd getting them more engaged it's kind of like a virtuous circle isn't it mm. where everything is being kind of risen up to a to a good level um i think it, it it's there is more potential for where this goes from here it's just wrestling politics and my lack of faith around that as well because you'll get egos in the room and the rest of it however what they should be looking at is you know, even if, and I think we did predictions, didn't we, on the buy rate? You were on the slightly lower end. You were, I think we were around 90, 90K. 80, and I think 80 I was my guess. 80 was yours. I said 100. You I, might I be think, dead on the money there. It, it, it might be around, well, if, you know, it shows a lot where AW are. We're talking, you know, 100,000 TNAs existed for 20 years. There's never done anything close to that. 60 odd is the, the highest for that. And that was What's the, the split in the US? Twenty five dollars, is it? Like, is it half the? Um, I think so. Is that what well, the average? When, pay- once you add in fight, then because uh, that'll drag the yeah. average down. So what are we saying? Conservative it- estimate: two hundred and two million off this. Am I, am I, is my what do they end up making? Mm-hmm. I always wait for the Brandon Howard Thurston when he does his kind of like guesstimations for this, and he always tends to be pretty good. And it always seems like they walk away with at least sort of like four, four and a half million from it. There'll obviously be a split with New Japan, and I think that's this is where we get the finance side of it. And the fact that a the New Japan wrestlers were much more up for it than I expected it to be. Like I, honestly, I, I know that sounds like, but I didn't expect them all to be kind of like really engaged, like engaged with it and engaged with the crowd like this. But you could tell how happy they were, and it's something I didn't take into consideration how happy they would be to be in front of like noisy crowds, like a big noisy sold out crowd in an arena that's hey, there. Do you want to be just, there? made you want to be there for it um and what they what they i mean and you've got to imagine new japan probably won't get a split of the pay-per-views but they'll get a split of the gate that would be something this is a conversation i had with um with wh um about this before they'll get a split of that gate and a split of that you know that's a one that's over a million dollar gate at the united center for it and this show didn't turn out to be like the co-promoted show with ring of honor like it was a world away from that. You didn't have like both promotions actually kind of lived up to it when it came to what is the stuff that happens in the ring. Did they? It's, <laughs> I don't know. If well, I reminded me of that. To be honest, is that true? No, no. Uh, what? What in terms of like you know? But in the ring for this show, it was it was a lot of fun. Mm. Is what I'm is 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 the kind of overall point I'm, I'm I suppose I'm trying to say. But it's. But they need to look at this and the cold light and go, hang on a minute, we've managed to sell out, like get 16,500 to turn up to this. We might be getting 100,000 pay-per-view buys. Now imagine if we gave this a degree of fucking thought and we had a full <laughs> buy-in at both ends on this and go, right, let's do this, but we should be looking at a stadium. We should be looking at like kind of really making this like a proper super card. And if they were going to do this again, Rather than like, oh, you know, all the and yes, there was a lot of like kind of bad luck to do with it, and they did better than I thought they did, and that's a good thing. And if we, if if I'm wrong on that front, if I was wrong before about like, because I was, people will know I was very down on on this card. I really like, honestly, I wasn't feeling engaged to it. It's part of a general malaise I've had with AW, sort of slightly in the build to double or nothing, and then last few weeks of TV. And watching something like this, it reminded me about kind of why I loved wrestling. And like you said about it being a celebration of wrestling, it was like, it was the kind of stuff where both 
AEW didn't really have a history per se, but New Japan's history and who they were was treated with the kind of level of respect that you kind of hoped it was as well. And like they should both be coming away going, there's a lot of money to be made here and there's a lot of talent that can be used in, in really good ways. So start fucking doing it. Definitely there's a... You know something you can build on here. You know the the first is always going to be the first. You know, but mm. you know, considering how much is left on the table, I think you could easily build. If it does turn out to be a hundred thousand by show, you can build on that, can't you? And possibly do better next time. If you can finally do Zach and Brian, you can do. You know, Punk Tanahashi. They've been gifted that really, haven't they? You could maybe do it at at a better time of year as well. You know, when we haven't got G One on the horizon and we haven't just got an AW pay per view out the way and we haven't. You know, as is specifically the case here, got fucking blood and guts coming up in two days because that was one of the quick <laughs> negatives I've got to say. I got as much as I was feeling the pro res love and you know loving. You know, it was a it was a, one of those fun nights on Twitter where everyone was having a great time. You know, everyone was enjoying the show. Yeah. You know, like uh, I got a you know a couple couple of people were maybe uh you know sending me uh, some uh, some sarky tweets about uh you know in loving this are you better? I was like, well, yeah, I am actually. I'm having a really good time. I'm enjoying yeah. the show. I'm glad you know that it's a, a good show. Um, you know, yeah. that's that's absolutely a, a good thing. Up- Yeah, just to, I know you're going to get into the criticism of it for a second. Like, just to say on this, like, by being critical of something doesn't mean you want it to fail. It's just you want it to be as good as it possibly can be. Mm. And because then, as a wrestling fan, everyone's happy. Because if all wrestling, like, was really fucking good, then we'd probably be seeing some sort of, like, boom within it. Uh, at this point in time so when stuff works like it has to be said like no fair play that worked and on the night it did if everything's good nothing's good like that's the exactly that's kind of like how i uh, i see life when it comes to film music uh, wrestling whatever and you know we we don't give this level of criticism to the WWE, not because we think it's better. Um, it's because we think it's considerably worse and not even worth spending the time critiquing, you know? It's yeah. it's because we love, you know, generally, you know, although we've been very uh, down on the AW product the last month or so, you know, we generally, you know, enjoy AEW that we will, you know, pick out the uh, the negative. And I think there has been a, a, a relative uh, swing um, to, to the negative. So... You know, I think I just hope things improve from a story point of view. Um, Will says, "Yeah, speak for yourself, John." But he hates everything and he hopes it fails. Yeah, there is not being right is probably better than uh, than uh, than being entertained in uh, in my opinion. But you know, uh, well, I'll I'll take both. You know, in uh, in good moments, but. I think the thing that did bring me crashing down, I was going to say that, as mm. much as I was feeling the love, <laughs> this angle at the end of the show. I mean, I've seen people who didn't mind it, and I've seen people who absolutely hated it, but it just reminded me, oh, yeah, this is still the company we were watching because Tony Khan had to, had to just fucking shoehorn in another haphazard, we're out of time, night, end of Nitro brawl. That didn't even make any sense in the first place. Why were the baby faces outnumbering the heels? Why was Jack Swagger leading the the charge to make like a big save? Like, and then I know it was all to build up like Cesaro, come, uh, Claudio coming out. We'll get that right one day. But I mean, like wrestling one hundred and one, Claudio already got his big pop early in the night. It was obviously going to be diminishing returns, which it was when he came out here. And then mm-hmm. 
I enjoy the the Eddie Kingston stuff, you know. But Eddie Kingston's uh, got his enemies, and I think he's uh, you know great at making you believe he really hates these people, whether he does or he doesn't, which is definitely a a question. But I don't think he did a very good job of shooting that. I, f- I feel like Kingston should have maybe got on the ring, and him and Claudio should have had some kind of focused upon moments. I know they tried to do it subtly, but then I think then the camera didn't really properly catch you know the the bit you'd wanted to catch. They were spending you know too much time with the camera focused elsewhere you could just maybe out the corner of your eye see that you know kingston was having a go at claudio and wasn't happy and to that point you know apart from like a throwaway jokey line from excalibur going oh you know everyone you know they've got a, a story history it's like have they like i, I mean i know they have but like just, yeah. <laughs> i don't feel like if you could give it like that extra bit of thought and focus you could have told that story in 30 seconds of of what uh what kingston's issue was it just it felt like a, a nice remi- a reminder of you know what you're probably still in for with these dynamites because based on the uh the post-show scrum tony Khan thinks that the last few weeks of Dynamite have been really good TV, so I think it's going to be more of this going forward. And yeah, it's uh, shows upon shows because yeah, no time to to let this breathe and let us have a nice moment with Tanahashi and Moxley in the ring because we've got blood and guts to sell on motherfucking Wednesday. And I, you, you summed it up perfectly. That I, the Nitro esque finish to this, where it was like you've had this show. It's a show in isolation. Obviously, you know it, it's it, you know it's meant to be like you know it's a unique event. Just have it ending with the bloke who's won the title, celebrating winning the title, doing a shaking hands with Tanahashi before you start going into this and then distracting people again and then kind of reminding me going, oh, yeah, we've got this. Because all I thought about the Eddie Kingston, and it's, it's all at work, but the thing I thought with the Eddie Kingston, Claudio stuff was that it was like, imagine if, like, you don't make reference to it and Claudio comes out as part of Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston's a bit wary teaming with him and he's not really saying anything. But they win and they get that victory. And then the week afterwards, like, they have some sort of speech and Eddie Kingston goes, like, and then he starts to tell you the story going, do you know what? Like, I know you're in this, like, you could start it properly from then. Give it a couple of weeks. What's the fucking rush? Like, why the rush to to do this? If this was about getting people on the card, then, then, like, it's like, you can't, like, you didn't need to do it. Like the whole thing kind of felt like it did feel like completely unnecessary. Like it didn't need it. Like, and it wasn't, yeah, I just, it, it felt like that's the kind of stuff you do on Dynamo. You do on your TV, you do it for this. It's, you know, you could always say, well, there'll be the fallout from the pay-per-view on Dynamite in there as well. But like this stuff, what a, what a time at the end of a four-hour show to go, by the way, we've had him debut and he doesn't like Eddie Kingston. And there's a story behind it. You're like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like sure they'll flesh it out on Dynamite. But I'm yeah. sure they will. But like, Christ, there's time, isn't it? It is the it's it's the ADHD stuff with with Tony Khan and the booking at times. That is, it gets more infuriating the more we watch Dynamite as the years go on. It's like, oh, for fuck's sakes, man, calm down for a couple of weeks. It's not in July yet. <laughs> you know all out is until september 4th you know <laughs> you're already rushing to a to a fucking blood and guts match next week can't you know. help himself can he can't but i guess we'll see and yeah we'll uh hopefully we'll get a, a live take on uh on blood and guts from uh mm. 
like I say, Steph's uh, actually in Detroit now. She's uh, just landed apparently, so hopefully she'll uh, she'll join us for uh, for that show uh, next week, and we can uh, get her thoughts on uh, on that. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps us up for uh, for AW and for Forbidden Door and for New Japan. Um, I don't know anything else you want to mention before we go, JP? Do you think um, is the net closing in on Vince McMahon? Um, that's something that's broken the uh, this evening. The uh, the Rita Chatterton story game yeah, getting picked up by uh, mainstream press. Ah. She gave a. Uh, an interview today, didn't she? Uh, Reese Chatterton. I think they got. Didn't like see a, this. Yeah, there's like a um, there's a what you call it, like a, an ex wrestler. I'm trying to think his name. Who's a uh, who's allegedly uh, corroborated uh, this stuff with uh, with Rita Chatterton. It was New York Magazine um, that uh, she gave a, a first interview in, uh, in okay. years um, to uh, Mario Mancini. Um, apparently, um, the job wrestler from the uh, the eighties has uh, has come out and uh, and backed up a story, and she's uh, told a story again. Yeah, it got picked up uh, today by uh, like I say, New York Magazine printed it, but it's getting picked up by some uh, some major uh, major outlets, and I know where uh, John Pollock did a great uh, write up. Uh, on it over on uh, on post wrestling as well. Um, yeah. On a serious note, yeah, you would like to see that uh, that story that kind of almost get not giggled about, but kind of just gets talked about. You know, the the side of everyone's mouth. Maybe uh, you know, get uh, get something behind it and get properly uh, investigated. It's the thing that we said about with this is 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 there the point where they start to open up Pandora's box? Is this the first of the stories? It's New York Magazine. You know, this isn't like tabloid rag stuff this isn't like the new york post this is the kind of stuff they do big long form features generally so you'd imagine if it's if it if it is getting picked up within within those circles that there's other stuff it's whether or not it comes out i mean i must confess i didn't know anything about this story until you till you said about it on this but it's you know is there going to be another reaction from vince mcmahon which involves appearing on tv like again, as a response to this, you're going to do this every time. Then there's something there. Oh, we'll like, turn no, up on the Cena raw tonight. Nailed on. Yeah, yeah. As part of the, and does Cena want to be on Raw Apparently. with him? Mm. Maybe it'd be like that Rock one where he doesn't turn up. Remember that when they had like that love letter to the Rock for like was it SummerSlam last year? Mm. <laughs> Fuck, it didn't even bother coming. Um, maybe it'll be like that. But <laughs> no, like I hope, I hope, really hope that uh, that gets some legs. That story, and yeah, we don't. Uh, don't see it uh, mm. die down again, but yeah. Um, outside of that, I think that's uh, that's pretty much uh, it, really, as far as the week in wrestling. We'll uh, obviously be back with uh, another weekend show on uh, on Friday for our patrons, and as we said earlier, we'll be doing the uh, the half year in review with uh, we'll grapple Gareth. Maybe we'll uh, we'll borrow we'll get some um, mm-hmm. forbidden door thoughts from uh, from him uh, in the mix there as well. But plenty are coming up uh, on the Patreon side. JP, anything else you want to plug? No, I say uh, we had the season finale. Me and WH of hello there. Um, so have a listen to that. There's the season finale of Kenobi on there as well. And yeah, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Like say we've had the uh, TNA month one recently as well, but like weekend show, the some of the daily updates, you know, we're all, we're, we're always got stuff out there. Audio version of yeah. Spotlight that has the, uh, the pre and post show on it. That goes out to all patrons. Too, yes. So, you know, there you go. Get plenty of a bang for your, for your buck over there. So yeah, patreon.com slash grapple if you want to support us. But yeah, other than that, that's it for us for another week, I would say. Cheers from me. Cheers from JP. We'll catch you again next week. Bye. Cheers, all.